Welcome, Guardians. It's May 22nd, 2016, and you are listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. This is episode 27, and this week we are going to continue to discuss the major factions of Destiny. Uh, there's one left, is that right? Yeah, one left. Before we uh, do that, though, um, we're going to take a detour into the golden age of our past. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the origins of the future war cult, um, Gabble's favorite cult. It's on the list of my favorite cults. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to, this episode, though, we're going to focus on the uh, the Vex fragments for, uh, what are they, this ghost fragment Vex, right? Yeah, that's what they're, yes. that's what they're described as. So, uh, which is the, uh, it's kind of the outline of the research scientists um, from the Ishtar Collective and some pretty amazing discoveries that they they find and, and are having trouble kind of comprehending what's going on and, and dealing with. So uh, with me this week, I've got Drop Slash. How's it going, man? Not too bad, not too bad. Been a, a quiet week, but blew the two raids earlier today, just sort of tore through them. It was pretty ridiculous. Uh, but mostly just putting tons of work into these show notes like i'm excited i'm excited about this show yeah it's gonna be a gonna be a fun one uh also have gabble ratchet what's up hey not much uh i just want to say he did say it's may 22nd um so i just watched just so for the record game of thrones season six episode five the door and i feel like someone punched me in the stomach hmm no spoilers though but it you know it's pretty rough right now in my soul. Why do you do this to me every week now? He'll be okay. Well, actually, <sighs> he doesn't sound okay. No, not okay. Not okay at all. Okay. Well, you sound actually. Actually, you sound, sound really good. Great. You sound we really about this good. Last week, your microphone situation. We can't do this every week. <laughs> is we can't. You wait. Did you just tell me I couldn't do something every week? <laughs> oh man, it sounds like a challenge. Uh, last but not least. Handsome Dragon, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Good. And considering you are coming to us from a different location this week, you sound pretty decent as well. Well, thank you. I've got a pretty nifty setup right now. Oh, I'm, I took a picture, and I'm just going to post it after the show because I didn't want you guys to kick me out <laughs> just by looking at the picture. Uh-oh. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, in, I'm in California right now for my sister's wedding, so cool. some fun stuff. Nice. nice. I was able to convince the wife to let me bring in my recording stuff. But I hear no Xbox. So. No Xbox. Yeah. She, she X-nayed the Xbox. And I just said that, and apparently I have my voice commands still on my Xbox because my <laughs> screen just went all wonky. <laughs> Xbox, uh, go away. Hey, uh, it did. Did you know that worked? <laughs> yep. I said go away, and it like got up and left the room. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I just booted you out of the fire. It went back a screen. That was, that was interesting, but it's still listening to me. Creepy. It's always everything it's you've always ever said. Creepy. It is recorded. Major Nelson, big jerk. All right. What is he? So let's. Uh, I don't Xbox know. Xbox is actually He's... running a very detailed simulation oh, of you. Uh, what? Okay, we'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> so we uh, we've got we've got a very interesting email uh, that we got a couple weeks ago, and. We're going to read. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it because it's pretty pretty fun. 
Uh, so we get this email from uh, from Danielle, and it's entitled "My Crappy Commute." <laughs> All right, so here we go. This is great. I suppose it's not a great subject line, but right now it may give you an indicator of how I feel. Pretty upset, actually, which is weird since technically it's not a big deal. Hi, I'm Danny, and I've, li- I've listened to your show for a few months. It was a lot of fun binge listening to catch up. Left me feeling a little down when I had to listen to it like regular people, i.e. once a week. Then I discovered a new schedule. Every Friday I would listen to the first half of your show on my way to work. I walked the six-kilometer commute, and during the day, I would keep myself noticed by checking Reddit to find out where Zer was and what he was selling. Excitement grew for my walk home. You guys filling me in on all this awesome lore and story, ready to jump straight online when I got in. So, this week has been hard. Haven't been able to play, but it's okay. Friday evening was happening, and it was a normal Friday morning. I mean, I left my coat at a friend's house, but no big deal. It wasn't raining, just a tad chilly. I even treated myself to a free coffee in... What is that? I don't What's know. Waitrose? Waitrose? <laughs> I don't... In Waitrose and banana? Banana. banana. <laughs> <laughs> Work has been crappy. Full-on challenging. I did not have time... I did not have time to more than glance at what Zer was selling. Ended up having to stay an hour after finishing time to just get everything done. Which is when my day took a serious nosedive. So here we go. I can't find my headphones. I remember putting them in my backpack. They aren't there. I have looked everywhere. So now I'm trudging home. And I know you can't help. But I suppose I wanted to let you know how much I love your show. It's like having little ghosts buzzing around my head actually giving me information. Instead of reading Tolan's journal and keeping it to himself. You guys are researching and sharing. And it makes my Friday. And losing my headphones and being alone in my journey home is making me quite upset. I might even pass the super good advice. I might even pass on super good advice. Curl up in my room with an ice cream and watch Doctor Who. My Friday has been ruined. I love your show. It's just started raining. (laughs) About right, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, thanks for the email and all. Nope, you missed the wait, last wait, wait, line. The, get the get the P.S. Oh, P.S. And I just remembered that I don't actually have an ice cream, so I suppose <laughs> I'm supposed to be on a diet. <laughs> I don't. I don't even. I love it. So future war cult <sighs> origins. <laughs> so wait, wait, before we do that, not to not to venture too much into. Uh, British supermarket lore, but uh, oh gosh, Ex- Waitrose is a is a chain of I don't, I don't even know if that's how you say it, but it's a chain of British supermarkets. Oh, oh cool! All right, well there we go. What's what about banana? Uh, well, it's a damn fruit. Free coffee know. and a banana. Is it is it a maybe is it is maybe it's a combo place like a? She got a free coffee and a banana. Like the way we have like a Taco Bell Pizza Hut combo restaurant, <laughs> which I don't I don't even know. I can't believe you but, just don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> what? combination pizza hut and taco bell that's a thing man i, I swear okay there's a whole song about it is there oh my god i thought i thought that that's the reference you were making no i don't know that song oh he just eats there for lunch no i don't <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean and we there's also like a long john silvers and a and w combo restaurant and I don't get some of these. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. So anyway, thanks for the email. Uh, Danielle, sorry about your crappy commute. I hope things got better. 
I f- hope you got some ice cream. I feel bad. Yeah, screw your diet. Get ice cream. You deserve it after that. I hope you watch Doctor Who as well. <laughs> um, I hope you watch the good Doctor Who, not the crappy Doctor Who. So let's get this show started. Future War Cult Origins. Oregons. We're starting to believe that time is home to the Vex, and somewhere in those unmappable voids dwell their undying minds. Maya Sundaresh, Fragmented Entry 10938, Ishtar Collective Archive. So that, uh, that quote there, where did that come from? Do we know? It's the Grimoire card for the Undying you Mind. Go. You're welcome. So that's the whole, that's the what? It's from the, the Undying Mind Grimoire card? Yes. That <coughs> quote comes from that card. Okay. We are on Holy shit. <laughs> All right, I got this. Right here. We're at the Ishtar Collective studied the Vex with all the instruments and power of the Golden Age. Just a quote by the speaker. So yeah, let's talk about let's talk about how Future War Cult comes to be. Uh, and we can't really talk about the Ishtar Collective without talking about Venus, uh, which is where the Ishtar Collective was based. Uh, further backing up this, we've talked about it in a past episode where we sort of postulated that Clovis Bray was slightly more military-minded and privately organized, and the Ishtar Collective seemed to be sort of multi-government science-focused. So, one on Mars, one on Venus. Uh, So, from the Grimoire Ishtar Sink, the Ishtar Sink region looms large in our surviving knowledge of Venus. Guardians come hunting the ruins of the legendary Ishtar Collective, a sprawling Golden Age scientific product, project. Jeez. <laughs> having, a, having a good night. Uh, so, and if, you, if you're if you in-game and you're out on patrol and you head through Campus 9 uh, and you head into the mainframe room, which is part of an earlier mission, there is one single screen by the off-world transit company that lists the three major areas of Venus Uh that composed sort of the Ishtar Sink region. So that's Aphrodite Terra, Maxwell Montes, and the Ishtar Cliffs. We currently have access to the Ishtar Cliffs, um, but we do not have access to the other two. So there's a distinct possibility that those regions of Venus may open up to us in later games, which would be pretty cool. Uh, that would be awesome. Maxwell Montes is the largest mountain on Venus, and that's the mountain we sort of have a view of, the giant volcanic mountain. Uh, and Aphrodite Terra is the second highland region. It's about the size of South America. So, nice. when it, just because it's going to come up later on, uh, in the western Ishtar region of Venus, there is an area called the Lakshmi Planum. So, and we know that the future war call representative is Lakshmi too. So, not a coincidence there, most likely. All right, so that said, uh, this episode is going to focus mostly on the Ghost Fragment Vex series of grimoire cards, uh, and they tell the story of four scientists at the Ishtar Collective who are experimenting on a Vex specimen. Uh, This confirms that humanity had encountered the Vex during the Golden Age, because we had one of them, Uh, and they discover something quite horrifying in the process. 
So that said, we are going to change the format of this episode. So you're not shocked and surprised when it happens. I guess we're going to talk about it right now. Yeah, we well, yeah. we uh, we as we look through these cards, um, you know, we've got uh, the those those characters, and, and a couple of them are female, and we thought that we would actually try to produce uh, some of these Grimoire cards a little more authentically by inserting some uh, female vocal casting. So we went out to our uh, Slack chat and asked a couple of our of our uh, more active members, Neon Bath and Sherbert Pop, to do some some uh, voiceover work for us, and they did. So uh, so as we go along, you're going to hear um, our take on the reading of these cards with uh, Neon Bath playing, oh, she is Chioma. Chioma. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, Sherbert Pop is uh, Maya. And then Gavel Ratchet is... Uh, Shim and Handsome Dragon is playing Dwayne. Dwayne. <laughs> Dwayne McNade. So, uh, so yeah, uh, it'll like I said, we'll we'll break into those cards a little bit, and you'll hear um, what we've put together for you, and hopefully you'll enjoy it, and uh, and then we'll discuss and, and break down each one of the cards for you. So, this should be this Let's should be fun. A, yeah. And let's give a huge thanks to, to Neon and Sherbert for taking this on. They did an amazing job, absolutely, as you're yeah. about to hear. Yep, and mm-hmm. way better than Dragon <laughs> than I did. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, I, I mean, with, just so you know, none of these were recorded. We weren't, we didn't record any of this together. Everyone recorded their lines separately, and myself and uh, Gavel Ratchet uh, cut and pasted all this stuff together to, to make it sound the way that it sounds so hopefully we did them justice and uh it it like i said it was really fun and if everyone enjoys it we will try to incorporate more of this i think in the future just because i had a good time with it and i think that everyone uh, will really like it so so that said uh let's take a listen to ghost fragment vex one maya i need your help I don't know how to fix this. What is it? Chioma, sit. Tell me. I've figured out what's going on inside the specimen. Twelve? The operational VEX platform? That's incredible! You must know what this means. Ah, uh, so it's, it's not good, or you'd be on my side of the desk. And it's not urgent, or you'd already have evacuated the site, which means... I have a working interface with the specimen's internal environment. I can see what it's thinking. In metaphorical terms, of course, the cognitive architectures are so... I don't need any kind of epistemology bridge. Are you telling me it's human? A human Merkwelt? A human qualia? I'm telling you it's full of humans. It's thinking about us. About... oh no. It's simulating us. Vividly. Elaborately. It's running a spectacularly high-fidelity model of a collective research team studying a captive Vex entity. How deep does it go? Right now, the simulated Maya Sundresh is meeting with the simulated Kaioma Essi to discuss an unexpected problem. There's no divergence? That's impossible. It doesn't have enough information. It inferred. It works from what it sees, and it infers the rest. I know that feels unlikely, 
but it obviously has capabilities we don't. It may have breached our shared virtual workspace. The neural links could have given it data. The simulations have interiority, subjectivity. I can't know that until I look more closely. But they act like us. By any reasonable philosophical standard, we are inside that vex. Unless you take a particularly ruthless approach to the problem of causal forks. Yes, they are us. Call a team meeting. The other you has too. Okay, so that was Ghost Fragment Vex 1. Uh, and I guess we should mention that this is two weeks? Yeah, two two weeks after we no, recorded no, the intro. Week. One week. It's, it's one week. One week? <laughs> Just one week. It feels like it's been a lot longer because I've been waiting so long to really, you know why, you know why it feels like it's so long is because cutting this episode together is a pain in the butt. Well, and we started like pre-production on this like a week early too. Yeah, that's true. Like by the time this actually comes out, we will have been working on this episode for almost like three full weeks. So we're actually coming to you from the future. All right. Because you would have given the date at the beginning of when we recorded yeah. last week and it's now a week after that yeah so today is actually the 29th we're actually in the device but, right now but then <laughs> after you hear ghost fragment vex 4 will be in the past oh how's that well wait but no when they listen to it we'll be in the past no matter oh, what <laughs> right damn it this this episode just got more perfect <laughs> time, tra- time travel is the worst I think you mean best. That's pretty much exactly how time travel is explained in Destiny. So the, our discussion about Ghost Fragment Vex 1, 2, and 3, we have to re-record because we had some audio issues. So One audio issue. Us, I was trying to be nice, but go ahead. <laughs> call them out. You, you can shame me. It's okay. I think you should shame yourself. <laughs> Hello, my name is Handsome Dragon, and I fucked up this podcast. <laughs> Great, now I gotta beep that out. <laughs> but it was appropriate, so. You can't condemn I, the man for his honesty. That. No, no. <sighs> but we're fixing it, and so we're sorry that you're hearing this a week late. But uh, either way, the our, our discussion about Ghost Rank Vex 1, 2, and 3, we're doing after... We did actually go. Never mind. It doesn't matter. I'm not even going to try to explain it. Ghost Fragment God, 1. God, my battery died, and I had to step out for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so half of your audio was decent. <laughs> um, all right, so what did we just hear? We heard a discussion between Maya and Chioma, and uh, basically we had Chioma come into what we kind of visualize or what we kind of think is Maya's office uh, because when she walks in, uh, there's mention of of Maya's desk, right? Or whenever they mm-hmm. while they're talking. So obviously that that to me feels like a like her office. Uh, but but what's going on is they've got an operational Vex platform. Um, now that doesn't necessarily mean it's a like a full Vex, right? Don't we think it's just maybe a piece of the Vex, or do we do we know? Well, they could just be using the word platform here to describe like an operational system upon which other things can be based uh we don't know what kind of vex this is 
whether it's a goblin, a hobgoblin, a hydra, like we just don't know. Uh, and we know that it's number 12. We know that there's 11 other specimens, uh, and we don't know what they are, if they're also Vex, uh, if they're other things. It seems like, or as we'll find out, it seems that they're very fam- not very familiar with the Vex, but that they're here to study the Vex. Uh, so it makes sense that they have 12, uh, maybe. Well, there could be m- more than 12 too, right? True. This is just the one that's operational maybe, or the one that's they're getting readings from. Yeah. But yeah, so there's this bit of a, a dilemma here that, uh, Geoma comes across. Well, and, and so it sounds like, I mean, obviously Maya is pretty excited because you know she's talks about how incredible it is that uh that there's something going on with this specimen um but do we think that means that the other 11 weren't operational that would be my you know assumption kind of feels like that that, which yeah with yeah the fact that this one is operational that she's so excited at first and then you know she kind of reads the situation it's like oh it's must not be good news because if it was you'd be on the other side of the desk and but it must not be too urgent because we would have evacuated the site so <laughs> right and this is also kind of our first uh i mean that's first seems, glimpse oh go ahead this is pretty extreme that <laughs> there are two options here yeah there's two options either you're <laughs> over here sitting on my lap or we're all running for our lives like <laughs> there's, there's no not like there's no like yellow alert <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and and so this is our first glimpse at the fact that uh maya and chioma are in a relationship of some sort so and that mm-hmm. uh theme will continue on through the through the rest of the yeah the cards so cool. so well and if you think about it too if you're not you know this is the pre-guardian world here and you're coming up against these these vex and you know who knows if it's you know well if it's a hydra and maybe they have them sedated, or not sedated, but they have them under control somehow. And but maybe they wake it up, and this hydra just comes to life and then just starts blasting everything. I could see that it could be get go to urgent pretty quick. Well, <laughs> we this really also begs the, the question. Had. Like you just said, this is pre. This is golden age. This is pre guardians. How did they even capture these these mm-hmm. vex? Like we know that golden age had pretty advanced technologies, but if humans of the golden age had the ability to suppress and study and sort of capture vex units why did the vex ever pose a serious threat because they never tell us about that once the guardians come around <laughs> yeah also where is all this i mean that's a i mean that's the collapse but yeah it bugs me that they knew even now, like they're doing some pretty advanced study on the Vex, and this is in- not information that is given to us <laughs> as the mm-hmm. Guardian character. Our ghost as, probably has yeah. it. Yeah, right. Well, I think you've mentioned it in other shows. And, you know, when, that first time we meet the stranger, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, the Vex, blah blah blah. And it's like, well, what about? We don't know anything about the Vex. Yeah. What do you mean you have all this information about this race that just invaded us? Well, even when you first do that mission, when you first get to Venus for the first time, uh, Ghost says, Guardians used to have sensors to track the Vex. And then once you activate them, Ghost says, these sensors are extensive. It's like, wait a minute. 
if we had very extensive sensors to track the Vex prior to us getting here, why did we think this was all lost in the collapse? <laughs> uh, why don't we have this information before we go to Venus? <laughs> but that that could be nitpicking. <laughs> could be nitpicking a little bit. Uh, well, or, or something happened that we just haven't been told about yet. I suppose so. Possible. It's just like that. I mean, Guardians have encountered the Vex prior to us, but that it seems like a surprise when we encounter the Vex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's no different from I think any other enemy. Well, it might be that was the first time that the Vex maybe made an aggressive front to us. You know, they might have just kind of kind of stayed to the citadels, kind of stayed to where to their zones. Well, I'm sure if we were stealing specimens, you know, if we stole 12 of their <laughs> their goblins, they, they'd probably get a little aggressive. Yeah. As opposed to yeah. us blowing up hundreds of thousands of them? <laughs> like, that's what, that's what picks right. them off? <laughs> well, no, no, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. But, you know, I mean, if they, if obviously, they, I would, you would think that, that there's been some aggression even back then, especially if they knew that if it was if it was something bad that they needed to evacuate the site, right? Oh, so when mm. we get to the Ishtar library, when all those Vex come, come phasing in, they're really like, if you could translate Vex, they're like, this one, this one's for Bob. Number 12. <laughs> get this number guy. 12. Get this guy. <laughs> the Vex don't forget. <laughs> well, so, well, so when, when they can, as they continue on, uh, and they're looking at the Vex's internal environment, I think is what uh, Chioma says. Yeah. She says she can see what it's thinking. Um, and then uh, you've got here at one point, the ghost says the Vex share one mind across a million units. Yeah. So this is also ties back to the Venus missions. Uh, this is the eye of the gate Lord. You take the eye of the gate Lord to have it scanned in on campus nine uh, over in Ishtar and Venus Ghost says the Vex share one mind across a million units. That's how they react so fast. Uh, we don't know how many mind. We also know that the word mind refers to a powerful Vex, like a Vex mind or a greater mind. Uh, so when when she says we can see what it's thinking, is she seeing what a greater mind is thinking through this like individual Vex platform, or have they isolated this Vex? from the network and they're seeing just what the organic part of this singular Vex is capable, is thinking or, I mean, cause that's two drastically different scenarios, right? That is looking into the, the juice box of this Vex and seeing what the organic parts of it are thinking, or this is looking into the mind of a greater Vex that happens to be in control of this one unit. I tend to think it's the former, like they have this Vex isolated somewhere inside the Ishtar Academy and they're just, you know, poking at it with sticks to see what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is also indicative of a pretty impressive technology. <laughs> uh, and let, we'll talk about, let's read the, well, talk about these next few lines, but this is golden age. Golden age tech allowed sort of like the manifestation of the ability to view thought. Right. Yeah. So pretty incredible. So we've got, uh, in this next line, you know, I think Maya's a little shocked. She's like, well, in metaphorical terms, you mean you, you can see what it's thinking. Uh, and 
she says the cognitive architectures are so, but then Chioma kind of cuts her off in the middle of the sentence and says, no, I don't need any kind of an epistem... <laughs> I have butchered this word so bad. Uh, epistemology bridge. And so the uh, the cognitive architecture um, or, or cognition is the mental action or process of acquiring knowledge and understanding through thought, experience, and senses. Uh, so... So that's just essentially their... Yeah, so I think what she their, was... Their, go ahead. Yeah, what she's saying here is... So, you know, Ezzy is like, oh, I can see what it's thinking. And Maya is like, oh, metaphorically, this last line, the cognitive architectures are so... It seems like she's saying the cognitive architectures of the Vex are so foreign to them that it's impossible for them, for them to determine what is thought and what's not. Uh, and then, as he goes on to say, no, no, no. Uh, so this epistemology uh, bridge, uh, epistemology, the theory of knowledge, especially with regard to its methods, validity, and scope, uh, the investigation of what distinguishes justified belief from opinion. So they didn't need a bridge. They there was no need for them to try and translate the cog the alien cognitive architectures to their definition of thinking. Like, no, it's the same thing. Which seems like a surprise to Maya. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm trying to remember, but last time you made a pretty good analogy to looking down a well. Here? You remember that? Nope. Yeah, yeah, this part. Yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> Dang it. No. Can you cut that in from our previous conversation? <laughs> no, but I'll cut this out probably. <laughs> So then they go on to to uh, to talk more about, um, or she's asking if it's human, a human Merkwelt, a human qualia, and uh, so those two are those are some some new words that some awesome I Seth sure Dickinson words hadn't heard. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, do we have some awesome Seth Dickinson definitions of these words? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we, we have actual definitions of these words. Yeah. Which oh. I think. Uh, Last time we mentioned, so we'll mention again now too, but uh, this card, if you didn't know, and I believe majority of the Vex, Ghost Fragment Vex cards were written, um, at least in part, I believe the majority of it was written by Seth Dickinson. Um, I'm, I think he had some help on these these cards, because um, we know he said that the Books of Sorrow were his, what he had like the most, you know, soul, solo work in, um, so there's good reason he probably had some assistance on these cards but he was the the primary writer of these and it, it shows in the writing it's beautiful writing beautiful stories it's awesome words that you have to look up <laughs> so gabble enlighten us what's a what's a murkwelt <clears throat> murkwelt uh it is a concept in robotics ethology and biology that describes a creature or android's capacity to view things manipulate information and synthesize to make meaning out of the universe so that's uh <laughs> yeah well, so, so, so sorry no, still kind of just... i almost said sorry i almost said the exact same thing i said last week but i feel stupid <laughs> saying it like i've said it before so yeah, the but the people listening haven't heard is it really weird right it is it's so strange well, so it's... in the grand scheme of words this is a relatively new word that's exactly what i said last time <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm currently scrubbing through my previous statement, trying to find the analogy about the well. 
<laughs> I am I am looking back in time at myself. Back in time. <laughs> oh wow. Well, it may well, it may be it may be later when we talk about the uh, them and the the two hundred twenty seven copies, which we'll get to later. So so basically, this is just my uh, if you're trying to figure out the na- almost the nature of this vex unit. You know, is it? She's asking, are you telling me it's human, a human Merkwelt, human qualia? You know, what is the capacity of what's going on right now? Right, right. So is it human? Is it is it a robot? Is it a human mm-hmm. robot? Is it a human qualia, which a qualia is the internal and subjective component mm-hmm. of sense perceptions arising from stimulation of senses by phenomenon? Phenomenon? Mm-hmm. Phenomenon. Yeah. Phenomena. <laughs> Phenomena. Something like um, that. Yeah. <laughs> so. <And> so, <laughs> so, so is this a, is this a, basically, is this a robot that has... It was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> So is this a human, you know, <laughs> android robot? You guys, I keep laughing. Human android robot that can also sense and and <laughs> well, well, almost like uh, the worst. You know, in, in our Destiny universe right now. It's like, is it the sleeper bot or the sweeper bot, or is it an EXO? Right? Is that kind of the questions here? Like, whereas they're both somewhat android, but. Nexo has more humanicity, humanosity to it. Wow, talk well, so about, talk about inventing new words. Right. Humanosity? Yeah, it's an awesome <laughs> word. So it's, this actually Seth card, so So this weekend I, I watched Chappie for the first time. Have you guys seen that movie? Oh nice. I didn't see that it's, one. It's it's good and it actually kind of fits in here well because um, you know, he's this this robot is part of uh basically this this robotic police uh project and all of the the police robots are controlled by programming which is kind of what what a merkwelt is right because it's just a it's just a no no no, it's not so but then chappie has this consciousness and and is basically alive essentially and so that's that's kind of the question here yeah right? like number five that's from alive. short circuit Correct. Right. Yeah, lightning does awesome things to robots. <laughs> That's the takeaway here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want a robot to come alive? Electrocution. Um, so, and and she says no, no, it's not. It's not a. It's not robotic. It's not. It's not what I'm seeing. Um, I'm, I'm telling you, it's got people in it. It's got humans in it, and it's thinking. The the vex is thinking about us, or it's it's seeing us, and that's or we're there. Not we necessarily, but she just because she just says no. She does say us, yeah. So it's thinking about us, and uh, you know. And then her next line: it, it's it's my, simulating us vividly, elaborately. It's running a spectacularly high fidelity model of a collective research team studying a captive vex entity. So these are, but these are two different, totally, like not totally different, but this is where this conversation takes a turn. So what we just discussed was. I can see what this thing is thinking. And then that's unexpected. They thought they were dealing with sort of a robotic entity and it's thinking like a human thinks, or at right. least that's what Maya is pulling away. It's like, wow, this is a robot that thinks like a human. That is unexpected. Like it's then, but then they immediately turned to no, it's full of humans. 
uh, it's simulating us. So running a simulation full of humans is not the same as thinking and reacting like a human. Right. That's way more kind more, of robo- robotic yeah. or kind of yeah. programmed. So I wonder. To run a simulation. I wonder it, as terrifying as is, it is with this, as well, you know, as we find out, this simulation. Uh, it's almost a relief, right? Like it's this robot isn't a person. It's just running a simulation of people. Robots right. are people too. <laughs> well, we don't know. So at this point also, we don't know what robotics looks like in the golden age yet, right? Yeah. We don't know what the thoughts are on artificial intelligence, robotic life forms. A little bit about AI because we know Rasputin and the war mind ex- exist in the golden age. So there could be like a background fear of these hyper-intelligent AI. Uh, but we don't know if there's like, you know, uh, a good callback would probably be like, uh, if anybody's ever seen the Animatrix, yeah. with sort of the yeah. story of the rise of the machines, like, because they're mm-hmm. treated mm-hmm. like slaves and not as equals, uh, and they eventually sort of rebel. And that doesn't happen as far as we know in the Destiny Golden Age, but we don't know if those prejudices exist against AI. So it's it's possible at this point. Mm-hmm. So then as it, as it goes, my questions, you know, how deep does it go? And that kind of, I don't really, I didn't really understand it at first until we get into it a little more. But uh, she, Chioma responds with, basically they're simulating us and what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says that, that, that Maya and Chioma within this Vex are discussing an unexpected problem, which is what's going on. <laughs> um, so then, uh, as it continues, you know, they question whether or not they're diverging, uh, you know, basically doing something different than what we're currently doing. And, uh, well, this is, it, this is also where, and we'll talk about this, I guess, as we move forward a little bit, but so this is like the real terror. The real terror is that it's not just simulating us. It's simulating us with like hundred percent accuracy in real time. Right. Uh, yeah. And this seems to like Maya's tone just sort of like her mind like jumps off a cliff here a little bit. Uh, especially this, like we're inside it by any reasonable philosophical standard. We are inside the Vex. I don't know what the philosophical standards are of the golden age, but that seems like a kind of a ridiculous posit to put forward. Like what, what reasonable philosophical standard are you using to say that, you know, you are, you are inside the Vex, a simulation of you is inside the Vex. And I, as we discuss more of these and the other characters get introduced, they have different views on all this, but I'm I'm not with Maya on this. <laughs> uh, my first <laughs> thought wouldn't be, oh man, geez, you know, by any philosophical reasonable standard, we're all in there. I mean, that seems kind of <laughs> like a ridiculous leap uh, in yeah. logic to me. At gonna, this I'm point, I'd leave, be like, yeah, that's that cool. And not argue with you yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, this is also where we... <laughs> Well, this is also where we kind of learn that as as scientists, where they may have made, you know, maybe not a mistake, but could have caused this whole issue here with, you know, sharing neural links with the specimen. You know, they they mentioned that, you know, how is this getting, how is the Vex getting 
the information oh, yeah, yeah. to simulate them. Yeah, breached yeah. our shared virtual yeah. workspace. This is yeah, this is you made your password one two three four five, and uh, and then you get mad someone and, steals your identity. Yeah, then you get mad at someone else to see your work. Uh, yeah, what is, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yes, it is. This, th- this thing has. <laughs> If this thing is simulating all of these all of these people at this level, it obviously has a ridiculous amount of computing power. It doesn't matter what your password was; it's going to guess it in in a tenth of a second or yeah. But way why less. would? But why does it have access to that machine anyway? Why does it have access to the shared virtual workspace? And neural links. I mean, you had to plug into it to view its thoughts. Yeah, but if you what you can see with it, it can also see within you. So. While you're seeing yeah, its thoughts, it's saying you your would, thoughts. You would still use you would use an isolated, clean machine to do that. This is like studying a virus in the middle of a kindergarten class, and then being like, "Whoa, somebody!" <laughs> Wondering con- why there was an outbreak. Yeah, somebody contracted <laughs> it. Like that's how could that have happened? Like why why aren't you in a clean room with a an isolated machine that you're running these experiments on? Like why does this thing have access to your Wi-Fi password? Like. Uh, well, I mean, the neural links could have given it data. Why, if you're going to neural link to the VEX, why would you do it with anything that's connected to any kind of network? Right. Well, the the assumption has to be that they weren't expecting it to. It, it breached yep. their shared virtual workspace, so there were protections in place that they did not expect it to be able to overcome, and it did, maybe. Yeah, and maybe they got just kind of got lax in their protocols over the, the over time you know knowing that this was wait no the, after their 12th specimen i don't i don't think so i yeah, would well, hope we don't not. know okay. how long if you're they... studying a potentially hyper intelligent machine race <laughs> again like don't give it access you know to your to your itunes share and then be surprised when it knows what kind of music you like <laughs> <laughs> Man, these analogies are going deep tonight, boys. Uh, didn't give it access. It breached it. Okay, so it broke in and it took it. It found a way into there, and and we don't know how. Yeah. I, I would assume that it's not plugged in because I mean you're just going to happen to have the right you know connector cable to plug into a Vex. No. Yeah, I'm sure S-video. it has so, so all all Vex are SV. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it so it it somehow. <laughs> okay, at some point, the Vex was able to gain access to their virtual workspace. We don't know how, we don't know why, but it did. And so the simulations that now have have interiority or subjectivity is asked by by Maya, and uh, and all that uh, Chioma says is, "I can't know until I look more closely." But they act like us, and then uh, this is where that reasonable and philosophical standard we were inside that vex comment came in um also it's worth mentioning here that maya trusts as completely like as comes in here with like i don't know until i look more closely but they act like us it doesn't seem like 100 percent confirmation here and then maya immediately jumps to this sort of confirmation mm-hmm. maya trusts as sort of completely here with what her assessment of the situation is well, and, and you, I mean, I would kind of guess that if they've worked together, they both know each other, how they, you know, they both know if they're smart or not, for one, and they're in a relationship. So it's kind of a double-edged sword there. You can't, you know, you know <laughs> like you can get into a big fight over it or you can, you know, 
think scientifically and and you're obviously i mean if if these are the people that are chosen to work on these vex they're going to be smart right uh even though we find out later that Dwayne is kind of doesn't seem like that but he's smart he just he looks at the situation more most more literally than maybe the rest and we're not yeah we'll get to him yeah and we're not explicitly told what any of these scientists actual areas of scientific expertise are Mm -hmm. either exactly so it so we find out. I think um, maybe one of them. We know one, but that's it. Well, yeah, and and she almost says she's got to look more closely, and uh, and then she says unless you take a a particularly ruthless approach to the problem of casual forks. No, or, sorry, <laughs> casual. Oh my god, dragon, you're killing me, man. Causal forks. Uh, <laughs> they are us. Spoilers. Dragon had to reread that line. <laughs> In the previous, because of the word casual. Said, yeah. Causal. <laughs> yep. Causal. I yeah, I caught myself though. I caught it before you guys did, so we're good. Um <laughs> So Maya calls forks. a meeting. <laughs> Maya calls a meeting and Chioma replies with the other you has two. So mm-hmm. it's it's simulated them right up to the point they call the meeting. Yeah. yeah. So and this causal fork thing is mostly attributed to Reichenbach's definition of causation, which is has to do with the time order so like when you're when you're looking for things that are like statistically symmetrical or a series of events that are correlated you know you have you know event event a happens and then event b happens and then result c happens uh because c is a representation of of conditions that were satisfied by a and b that becomes a b c uh but then, and that that represents its own particular fork. So in this particular fork, A, B, C. Uh, but you could have alternatives where C could happen earlier than A and B interacting with one another. Uh, so no event satisfies uh, A and B. But so the, the event order could become A, C, B, which is still perfectly reasonable because you have two events that happen and a result. The result just happens at a pre-existed before a and b interacted do with some other thing that is its own other fork so when she says she's being ruthless about it they, i think what she's saying is let's we have to look at it hard and statistically eliminate a whole range of possibilities here uh to not even consider what these other possible causal forks could be like let's let's take a b c uh and and say this is the most likely scenario uh they are us let's move forward on that so they call a team meeting hopefully not in the shared virtual workspace that the vex have access to <laughs> hey buddy you wanna, yeah let's invite this guy to our meeting yeah let's let's invite the let's invite the vex into our our slack chat and then be surprised when it knows what we're talking about the password is password. <laughs> That's the thing. Right. If it if it was able to simulate them ostensibly from their birth, it knows their passwords because it was able to simulate the choices they made when they picked all their passwords. But what if? Yeah, but the system they could be using could have said this password is stupid. I'm going to auto generate one. Like it could be some gigantic hash of characters that the Vex can't necessarily determine. Could be. Yeah, I doubt they let any of the scientists pick the password. <laughs> That's just my guess, but... Gee, I wonder what Ezzy's password is. E-Y-E 
heart emoji M A Y A one. Forever. Uh, as long as um, it's not the lyrics to an LL Cool J song. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right. All Beck, right. Wait, th- yeah, that's a wrong song. That's <laughs> that's by Andre. Andre 2000. So. All right, never mind. Vex 2, let's hear it. So that's the situation as we know it, to the best of my understanding. Well, I'll be a mother... This is extremely... This thing has us over a barrel. Yep, we're in a difficult position. I don't understand. So it's simulating us? It made virtual copies of us? How does that give it power? It controls the simulation. It can hurt our simulated selves. We would not feel that pain, but rationally speaking, we have to treat an identical copy's agony as identical to our own. It's God in there. It can simulate our torment. Forever. If we don't let it go, it'll put us through hell. We have no causal connection to the mind state of those sims. They aren't us. Just copies. We have no obligation to them. You can't seriously. Your own self. Idiot. Think. Think, if it can run one simulation, maybe it can run more than one, and there will only ever be one reality. Play the odds. Oh, uh-oh. Odds are that we aren't our own originals. Odds are that we exist in one of the Vex simulations. Right now. I, I didn't think of that. Alright, that was Vex 2, Ghost Fragment Vex 2. And so what we've got going on now is the meeting. So at the end of X1, uh, Maya calls a meeting, and these are our four individuals that, I guess, show up. Um, and we've got in this card Maya and Chioma, along with uh, Dr. Shim and <laughs> Dwayne. Dwayne. <laughs> Dwayne. <laughs> Dwayne. Dwan. Now, there's a couple. We I don't think we ever came to a... Uh, to a conclusion on the the pronunciation for his last name, because I've heard Dragon call it McNida. That's like McNida. At least what I found online. And I think I say McNade, even though I know the A and I are backwards. But all right, so we're just gonna call him Dwayne for the conversation yeah. ahead of us here. <laughs> um. So. Shim, we know Shim. Shim. Shim is from the Archive mission. Uh, when we first enter the Archive, uh, the the AI that runs the Archive says, Welcome, Dr. Shim. Uh, oh, yeah. And then Ghosts cryptically says, Dr. Shim? Never mind that. And it's like, I wanted to grab him, throw him on the ground, <laughs> kick him across the room. Stomp like, his eye out. Yeah. How about we don't never mind that, and you tell me what's going on. Just reach over there and shake your ghost. You will yeah. tell me right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, so so we, we get to this meeting, and we come in after the meeting's happened, or after after Maya, at least, has explained the situation. Yes. Uh, and Dr. Shim is less than happy. Mm. Um, Which seems to be his <laughs> default attitude. Him or her. We cast Shim as a man, but we don't necessarily know Shim's gender. Yeah, we pretty much confirmed the other three uh, are two females and, and Dwayne's a male um, based on the way they talk to each other and the fact that they say he and she 
to about them. So yeah, there is there's much, no definitive pronoun for for Doctor Shem anywhere in any of these cards. Correct. Uh, so and Dwayne is having he's he's going through some personal problems right now and trying to figure out what's going on because he just <laughs> he he doesn't understand how these virtual copies how these things are giving it power or, or why mm-hmm. why it matters essentially well it seems um you know drop you had mentioned before that they see each seem to have almost like a specialty in the in the field um you know later on it kind of seems like shim may be a, more of a mathematician or do in, with statistics yeah um you know we don't really i don't know if we know or can guess the others i think was it um kioma that might be was it psychology or something like that later on no there's well, a she knows physics later physics physics yeah. physics that's what it was but yeah but doing here he kind of t- seems to take more a more literal approach to a lot of things and and so it's harder to it seems harder for him to grasp some of this well, well I, I think most science is literal though I mean, I would guess Dwayne is more of a physicist. I I wonder, and we'll get to we'll talk about it when we get to it. I wonder if Ezzy is more of a metaphysicist uh, rather than an actual physicist. Physicist. It seems like Dwayne has a thinking like a physicist or a chemist, uh, where he's looking at the components he has in front of him and then drawing logical scientific conclusions without much extrapolation. Mm-hmm. Right. So. When when Dwayne asks, you know, how does that give it power? Uh, Chioma tries to to answer, tries to explain to him that it's controlling the simulation and uh, and it can it can basically hurt their simulated selves, and they would feel the their, them their real selves would feel the pain, but rationally speaking, I they don't, don't know how to treat. Oh, go ahead. No, I mean, keep, I, challenge, I challenge Ezzy here. How is this rational speaking? Right. We, we have to treat an identical copy's agony as identical to our own. So does this... So that does is this outside mean, the capacity. I mean, it's not outside the capacity for rational thought, but that is outside the boundary set forth by what we know is rationality. Right. So does this mean, though, that she's making the assumption or thinking that if it hurts us there, that it's hurting us here? No, she's saying that if if these simulations, and I feel like that's not even really a great word for what these are, because they're a lot more than what we would think of as simulations. Uh, They are essentially living beings all on their own within, within the Vex. So for them to hurt is equivalent to for the real world mm-hmm. versions hurting it's 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 still pain it's still being felt by something mm-hmm. it's yeah, no I I, it's no it's it's has no greater or lesser value than their real in quotes that you can't see that i'm doing right now right. than their real pain it's just right. as valid. Yeah, i think you it's a big question of almost you know what is a life and i think you know the first card you know where they kind of ask you know, it has interiority sub, you know subjectivity like it the the simulations are you know real to an extent so much that you know if it, if these simulations are real and they're thinking and they're living in the simulation then what makes that really them any different than 
us. Right. I feel like thinking yeah. of 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 the them as just simulations is the same thing as thinking of Rasputin as just a computer program. No. 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 Yeah. No. They are in there making choices. They just happen would, to be the exact same choices that the real people are making because they're being given all identical stimuli and living the exact same life. Uh, they're they're coming from the same place, so they're making the same choices. But they're not. They but they are. They're not. No, because the Vex hasn't simulated them from birth. It's only simulated them so far as it can see in any given direction in, for its stimuli to be processed. Like, the Vex can't simulate... Ezzy's third birthday party. It has no concept of that. It only we don't kno- know what it knows when it breached a virtual shared workspace that had neural links. That's true. <laughs> no, there's no way. You can't. You can't because human behavior is dictated by thousands of events that you have no conscious recollection of that subconsciously affect your decision making process, your behavior, and things like that. Subconscious for humans. Now, depending on how much a Vex could read into our subconscious mind could be another story. True. But if the Vex is has ongoing sort of surveillance of them all in real time, or has enough information based on its observations to simulate them from the point when it creates the simulation moving forward, that I'm on board with. Uh, but it can't... It, it couldn't accurately simulate aspects of an individual that the individual themselves don't necessarily know exist. <laughs> could it? Could it co- not comprehend? Could it? Uh, extrapolate? Could it simulate? Extrapolate? Yeah, maybe. But no, you could, could it, you could extrapolate moving forward, which is why the simulation is very eerie because it gets, it almost seems predictive of the future, but it doesn't mean it's mm-hmm. accurate in the past. Well, why can't why why can't you simulate backwards? Why can't you say but, this person ended up this way because a combination of these things happened, or these things happened, or these things happened, and have all of these different because there's no way to paths. know because there's no way to know, right? So it's like, oh, Ezzy has a bad tan. Did she get it from she was sunning out on top of campus nine for too long, or was she in the tanning bed for too long? There's no way to simulate that accurately because. You don't know. Well, then it's the exact is, same, is, same is, thing going forward. This is the exact same conversation that they just had in Vex 1. <laughs> <laughs> There's no divergence. Good. That's impossible. It doesn't have enough information. And either way, it doesn't matter whether they have enough information no, because they're moving, doing it. Moving forward is different, though. Moving forward is different. How? Because the how? Res- what caused the result is irrelevant. It's, what, it's the result and how that affects the future. So you can reasonably simulate that as he has burn cream in her medicine cabinet or she doesn't like being slapped because her son is her son's burnt. The sun, the sunburn is the result. Uh, so you can reasonably estimate or simulate wh- the effect that will have on the person moving forward, but you have no way of accurately extrapolating how it got to that point. Cause there's an infinite number of possibilities up to that. Right, but um, even in that situation, like even if you can't necessarily simulate the past accurately, does that mean that the simulations, the, the people in the simulations are less 
you know, real, less have less interiority. Like they're still they're less identical all, copies. Yeah, for all sakes and purposes, there's they're still living people in these sim- simulations, whether they're well, past. Th- or well, this is my problem with this statement that Ezzy makes. So rationally speaking, we have to treat identical copies, agonies identical to our own. And I don't think that's true. I do think that rationally, given what they know, they have to assume responsibility for a copy's okay. agony. But they don't, that's, they're different from treating it as the exact same as your own. Because you couldn't, especially, in, uh, and this is the flip side, this is the human condition. Uh, if the Vex did something to one of the copies without, without being able to witness it, the actual human would have no idea it's happening. So you can't treat its pain the same as your own because you're not experiencing that pain. Like the, the experience is a very human thing. Mm-hmm. Well, then Maya comes in here, she says, you know, it's God in there. It can simulate our torment forever. If we don't let it go, it'll put us through hell. And so to me, it kind of shows that and it might be just her trying to side with, with Chioma here, trying to, kind of like still support her and her idea, but it also kind of seems like maybe they'll, the Vex has some way of giving them that experience and you'll continually showing them what they're doing to these simulations. If they mess up or if they screw around with it. I just heard what you said, but I'm waiting for Gabble and or X-ray, X-ray to make a take it on the chin joke. <laughs> Sorry, I was taking screenshots of that light between your eyes. <laughs> it's all the way up to your neck, dude. It's so good. Look at that. I pushed him over a little bit and pushed him back. Oh, oh. he stood up. Yep. So if you don't know what we're talking, there's no way you can They know don't what know what we're talking, we're talking about. about. Uh, so bad. If, I, I'll cut it. I can cut that out. Okay, by the time you hear this, Iron Banner will be over, so you can't experience this for yourself. But we'll, we'll <laughs> it's it. probably a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to experience what Job just experienced. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, no, but anyway. So, in three, two, one, we'll come back to the actual conversation. Uh, n- uh it, no, I don't. It's not. I don't. I don't agree. I don't agree that it's them or that it's us. It'll put us through hell. No, it won't. I mean, sure, like uh, semantically speaking, but not, not rationally, yeah, not, not, not literally. Could they? Could, could they? Well, but wait though. They all understand could, it's not literal. Do they though? No, I mean, they are don't. They... They're arguing that it is literal. Well, right, no, right. Well, but, but wait, 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 wait. So I mean, this goes back to this goes back to the whole thing that they can erase people from time. So I mean, I the whole time I read like the wait, the what? Yeah, I don't know where we just went. No, no, no. Uh, sorry. It, <laughs> if if I if if I'm them and we're talking about it this way, I I keep waiting for them to like look up and see themselves looking down at them. You know, like we're like I always I always had this this kind of suspicion that they think that they're they are kind of controlled by not controlled but they could possibly be that group. Does that make sense? No. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's the only that's the only reason that that they would have to worry about 
something right. hurting them. Correct. So if they are another level of the simulation, right? Then there's a ra- the rational fear exists that you know if you're looking into an infinite hall of mirrors here that when the vex tortures one of them it goes right up the chain and hits them too because they are in fact themselves simulations. Right. That's what I that's the point I was trying to make. Thank you for kind of making that more clear. Yeah. Well, and then we have the genius of the group. We have the smartest one of all of them. Yeah, Dwayne makes uh, the most rational comment here. He makes an objective rational comment. <laughs> There's which no completely misses the causal connection to the state <laughs> of mind of the Sims. Uh, they're not us. They're just copies. We have no obligation to them. Correct. <laughs> yeah, but then I think, like you mentioned, that they they do have you know, responsibility for them. Yeah. So if they're going to treat them as individual sort of, you know, life forms or consciousnesses, then they, yeah, they have a responsibility. They can directly affect the well-being of those simulations. Uh, but they have no obligation to like preserve. They could just unplug the Vex and turn its power off. Then all the simulations instantly blip out of existence. But like, well, then they're if that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. Like it's, it's not murder. It's like, if you stop playing a game of The Sims one day and never boot the game back up, do you feel bad because you murdered your house full of Sims? No, they don't have subjectivity and interiority. Yet. <laughs> well, sure. that would change so, things. I would actually play The Sims if that was the case. <laughs> so the next the next uh, comment from Shim, he's like, <laughs> basically does what we just did in reverse where Drop yeah. called me an idiot. But... Shim is saying what I'm saying. Yeah. So this is that. Where? When you're looking to... When I was a kid, uh, there was a bathroom in the house I grew up in that had mirrors on opposite walls. So if you stared into one mirror, you could see like infinite versions of yourself go on forever because the the dueling reflections. So that's what we mentioned sort of before. Uh, But this is, yeah, this is Shim. (laughs) This is why I think Shim is a... Uh, um, he's the math guy. He's running stats. He's running odds. I don't think he's running the correct odds here. Uh, so yeah, so odds are, you know, we aren't our originals. Odds are we exist in one of the Vex simulations right now. So all of a sudden, you kind of, everyone understands the severity of the situation. That if they're one of the, uh, if they're one of the Vex simulations also, then they have to be very careful what they do to that Vex on the table so that the Vex doesn't torture them since technically he's God. He's the one controlling the situation right now. And we've talked about this. In, the, we, in previous episodes, we've talked about Bostrom's simulation argument, which was that human beings uh, at any given state of development will never have the ability to prove that they are, in fact, not existing in a simulation. Uh, Bostrom's simulation argument has been disproven or at least very heavily challenged in the past few years uh i'll put links in the show notes to that i know we talked about it in past episodes but that is coming back again sort of directly right here like how can you prove that you are not in fact running in a a computer simulation so advanced that you have no idea that you're even in a simulation right uh it's the same as like in the matrix when morpheus asks have you ever woken up from a dream that you thought was so real uh how can you tell the difference between the dream world and the the real one Well, I didn't, outside of it. I didn't think of that. <laughs> All right, what's this last line? I still don't. What's the indistinct percussive sound? 
I'm guessing she slammed the desk or kicked the wall. She definitely something. flipped the desk. Yeah, flipped the desk. Flipped flipped the the desk. desk. I imagine nice. that. I imagine Dwayne sitting behind a drum kit and it's just a regular rim shot. <laughs> she almost smacking her on the ass. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, that's it, baby. It's the uh, no, it's the headshot party noise from Halo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get continue on. We got the next card here is the Ghost Fragment Vex Three. Let's hear it. I have a plan. If you have a plan, then so does your sim, and the Vex knows about it. Does it matter? If we're in Vex hell right now, there's nothing we can stop talking about real and unreal. All realities are programs executing laws. Subjectivity is all that matters. We have to act as if we're in the real universe, not one simulated by the specimen. Otherwise, we might as well give up. Your sim self is saying the same thing. Cheer, my love. Please hush. It doesn't help. Maybe the simulations are just billboards. Maybe they don't have interiority. It's bluffing. I wish someone would simulate you shutting up. If we're sims, we exist in the pocket of the universe that the Vex specimen is able to simulate with its onboard brain power. If we're real, we need to get outside that bubble. We call for help. That's right. We bring in someone smarter than the specimen. Someone too big to simulate and predict. A war mind. In the real world, the war mind will be able to behave in ways the Vex can't simulate. It's too smart. The Warmind may be able to get into the Vex and rescue us. If we try, won't the Vex torture us for eternity? Or just erase us? It may simply erase us, but I feel that's preferable to the alternatives. I agree. Once we try to make the call, the Vex may react. So let's all savor this last moment of stability. You two are adorable. I wish I'd taken the job at Clovis. They have a plan. <laughs> I think we said... Or at least Maya. The plan. Maya has a plan. <laughs> Maya has a plan. Well, if you have a plan, then so does your simulation. And your Vex knows about it. So, again, we're explaining the situation about the plan and about the situation... So that we know what the plan is. Yeah, and I made a note here that this is a particularly brutal statement. Uh, it is only it is only that sort of severe if they are functioning with the idea that this simulation is a hundred percent accurate, which would be difficult to prove. Uh, but let's say for the sake of argument that it is, then this is this is a huge crack on sort of what original thought is and the genesis of original thought, because this is literally saying nothing you can think, no plan you can form is truly original because the Vex can immediately simulate it. <laughs> so mm. By the time you think about it, it's already yeah, it's, simulated. It's predictable. Anything you can think is predictable. Any form you can plan is 100% predictable. Like, it's not... Everything mm. is like a... And that's... And that's that's rough. Like, that would be a, a sort of a really difficult... Especially for a group of scientists... Mm-hmm. To well, and then you kind of see the effects here. You know, you, with Dwayne, you know, he goes from being objective, you know, make trying to be 
literal with the findings and you know not really seeing the pair causality and everything to now he's kind of mr doomsday you know does it matter if we're in vex hell right now there's nothing we can do <laughs> he's pretty much just given up all hope of survival at this point yeah shim really knocked him down a few pegs there with that <laughs> hey we could be simulations too statement yeah <laughs> yeah i uh i actually made a point when we recorded the first time and i think this is about where i did that uh, i think that i think that Dwayne is going through the uh the stages of grief um <laughs> and there's there's actually you know just because it starts out with uh with denial and so back when he first hears about it, he's like no no way they it can't it it's not us we're not in there and so he's denying the whole situation completely and then it, the next uh, the next step that i think we're getting to right now is uh is anger right where are we at here gotta get back to where we're at yeah because uh it doesn't matter yeah he's like it doesn't matter if we're in vex hell right now there's nothing we can and he's about to say nothing we can do yeah uh and so he's just kind of upset and and that's it so but as this card continues on uh well and here's where so here's shim like all realities are programmed executing laws that's like the mathematician's viewpoint on that right uh, and super depressing yes but then maya <laughs> so here but though we have like maya flips her script suddenly maya is saying we have to act as if we're in the real universe not the simulated one by the specimen mm -hmm. uh and whether that's her being like okay you know what in order to keep my team thinking straight and executing this plan, I need them to all be operating this way. Uh, or if she's just, maybe this is part of her plan. Maybe part of her plan is to, okay, step one, act as if we're in the real universe, uh, not the simulated one. Mm -hmm. Right, because if they're, if I mean, if they're constantly worried, they're not going to make a decision. Yeah, they're just preoccupied with the fact that they could be simulations themselves. Right. Just like if you have something, you know, going on in your life and you're at work, you can't concentrate on your work because you're worried about other things. Well, this other thing in this case is whether or not they're in the simulation. You know, it's, it's right. don't worry about that. We're not there. Let's just focus on the task at hand. Right. And, you know, and she mentions, you know, otherwise we may as well give up because, you know, if they are a simulation, you know, what nothing they do is going to make it matters difference. anyways. Right, yeah, yeah. right. So, and then, and then of course, we have your sim self is saying <laughs> the same thing. It's like, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Maya comes back with, you know, that doesn't help. Just please be quiet. Um, but that, so Ezzy must be monitoring. Um, maybe not, maybe she's just saying it to say it, but it seems like Ezzy is monitoring the simulations in real time in, in order to confirm that, but. Mm -hmm. maybe she's just yeah and, you know, she could just just be, being cheeky yeah it's like oh yep you're some self saying the same thing right now <laughs> little playful banter kind of like mm -hmm. now's not the time love mm -hmm. you know <laughs> yeah and then you get a little bit more more hopeful Dwayne here he you know comes back you know maybe these simulations are just billboards maybe they don't have interiority it's just bluffing you know so maybe you know now he's thinking okay maybe the simulations are just acting basically They're, he's just playing us all right and that's it i mean that's up until this point nobody's considered that right nobody's considered that the vex art is just like shamming them all to get inside their heads a bit being like so i'm a vex mind i'm trapped 
somewhere in the Ishtar Collective and I have these four scientists jabbing at me with sticks, I'm going to play a really funny prank on them and see if I can convince them that they're all trapped in a simulation by creating a simulation of them. But it's not it's mm. not really accurate. I'm just throwing up what I see. Like, I'm, I'm holding a mirror up and they think it's real. Yeah, maybe a poor example, but in the... Uh... Uh, the Hunger Game trilogy, you know, they, those crows or birds, the, the mocking jay like programs where they have these voices that are fake, but they just get in the heads and they drive the contestants crazy because they sound so real and seem so real. And so it's maybe something, you know, Dwayne's name may be some, something similar to that. I never could have simulated that you knew anything about the Hunger Games. So, <laughs> <laughs> see, there, there is divergence. <laughs> that's a different series entirely <laughs> uh, but and then you have one of the best lines in the entire entire series of cards here yeah, with Shim re- replying to Dwayne I wish someone would simulate you shutting up <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think it's important here like a lot of I've heard a lot of comments you know Shim's a jerk he's a ass and it's like I think these scientists have just spent a lot of time together there's a lot of back and forth but you know, I think we've seen. You know, we know there's a relationship with Kioma and uh, Maya, and you know, we later on you'll see it. There's almost this definitely a professional relationship with uh, uh, Shim and Dwayne, where they at least respect each other for what they do. But they've, I, I think, clearly been working together for a while, and so they, Shim is definitely a little more. Or he feels comfortable, kind of letting out his emotions. Yeah, I think it's I think it goes a little more than just professional and like you said, we will find we'll we'll see that later, but but uh, mm-hmm. they have a have a pretty interesting relationship. So Yeah, and, okay, and, and then, we we don't know what the nature of the Ishtar collective is, right? We've we don't know that there are these are like four specialists who are put together in a team and put on a certain project and the Ishtar collective could have been dozens of these teams all over the place. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's reasonable that they're all have like a, like a casual working relationship with one another, you know, whether they knew each other before uniting on this particular project, you know, maybe they were all called in because they're experts on artificial intelligence or Venus or the Vex, you know, so that they meet up, uh, and they're like, Oh, Hey, like, I know you, you're, you know, Dwayne McNida and you wrote this amazing journal on X. Uh, I read your work, and they sort of start to get along a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the same way, uh, like uh, in, in the Avengers, like Stark takes jabs at Banner all the time, but they they respect each other a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, that, I mean, I would guess that that's sort of the relationship that's happening here. I don't think it's just like Shim is just like this outside dude who likes yanking people's chains constantly. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So, carrying on, uh, Maya uh, basically says that the uh, the <laughs> this is funny. It, the Vex specimen is able to simulate with its onboard brain power. Now, this one is highlighted here because I think uh, I think Drop has an issue with the word brain power. Well, so they mentioned before that they. Uh, you know, with the cognitive architecture, the epistemology bridge, I can see what it's thinking. These are all terms that are used to describe 
a mind, uh, not an artificial intelligence. Well, an artificial intelligence is a mind, not a computer program. They're talking about human cognitive architecture is a brain uh, for the most part. But then they talk about it simulating us vividly, elaborately. So that's a computer simulation. So now we're, we get to the point where they're talking about what is powering the simulation. Uh, it's using onboard brain power. So I'm not sure if this is revealed that they understand yet that the Vex have an organic mind or an organic instance attached to the actual mechanical frame. Uh, but we also don't know necessarily what the link is between the organic part of a Vex and the artificial part of a Vex. Uh, there could be, you know, a, a techno-symbiosis there that far exceeds anything that, we're, that we really know. So either they know that and are using brain power as a blanket term, like this is a neural network that's running the simulation powered by the organic part of the VEX. Uh, and they know that, or they're just using the word brain power as, because I don't, why would they say brain power? Like Maybe I, just, yeah. uh, I mean, just, just the, the kind of word that came to mind. I mean, it just, it's like when your computer is crunching away, you don't go, oh, it's my computer's brain power. <laughs> some people might some people say some stupid stuff about computers like, or like you know when 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 microsoft or sony are trying to sell us their consoles they don't oh mine is superior xbox one is superior brain power <laughs> so but it does well and then and then at the end of this <laughs> but no excuse at the end of this sentence maya says if we're real we need to get outside that bubble and and chioma jumps in and says oh we we call for help and uh, that's right. We need to get someone smarter than the specimen. So they want to get somebody that they that they say is is too big to simulate and predict. And who is that someone? A war mind. A war mind. That's right. And so this is interesting though because uh, for one, you know, saying that, that the war mind is is smarter is yeah. What's the definition of smart here? Right. So right, like this it. is so this is interesting too because it's I wonder we have to wonder now no we don't have to but if they are saying definitively a war mind is quote unquote smarter than this vex uh, what do they know about the war minds like is it possible that this group of scientists also worked on the war mind project because they're talking about you know uh, a vex platform that is running a you know, up to the nanosecond accurate simulation uh, of them, you know, it, again, like in quasi-real time, that must take immense processing power, or as they put it, brain power. How right. do they know that a war mind is smarter, quote-unquote? Like, they're faced with an, what could be an unbelievably intelligent machine at the moment. So they, they know something about the war mind that, that we don't, or are they just assuming that the war mind is smarter than the specimen happens to be? Like what, what, how are they quantifying smart in this case? Right. Yeah. I think it's important to note as well that we've got a pretty awesome group here in the tower and also cool game tag 
name is back with us. What? What? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Two weeks ago, game, cool game tag name was in the tower with. Oh us. yeah, back. where? He he was he's over with the cryptarch now. He may have just left, but yeah, we've got like a six people here in our group now. Yeah, we're sitting over near the iron banner by the ledge, uh, and we've got a who is that? Chilino four. The Blue Tiger and Endmaster78 just came over and sat with us. They've been sitting here by us for a good, good 20 minutes. So who, who knows if they, they know the show or not. But if you guys are listening, thanks for hanging out, I guess. Yeah. The it's Blue awesome. Tiger just asked if I could give him some three of coins. But I think that's because I'm wearing a Zer mask right now. <laughs> awesome. So, all right. So, so we need somebody to come in and rescue us. Or, or they need someone to rescue uh, yeah. them, well, I guess. Well, so this is... But now, so this statement by Maya is two different things, right? We need to bring in someone smarter than a specimen. Okay, so that's, that is this sort of quantitative analysis of intelligence, more mind, greater than specimen, smart. Uh, right. Then she says, someone, interesting, she uses the word someone, not something. Get me, she's applying uh, someone as a, a human uh, identity. identity to the that's war mind. Uh, too big to simulate and predict. Uh, so too big, this is a better qualifier. Uh, and this is how you break computer systems, right? You you overload them with what they're able to process. Uh, so it is highly possible that a war mind as a sentient AI that is in charge of, you know, you know exobytes worth of information could just completely overwhelm this VEX platform just with the sheer amount of data that... Uh, makes it up but this brings up a whole other thing because like uh what like what is it is it the code that runs the war mind is it the data stored on the war mines servers or in its data banks like and why does that affect the vex's ability to simulate it because it doesn't need to simulate every last iota of those things so, but this is this seemed like the again in terms of just something to to quantify a war mind probably makes up or takes up tons more data represents much more information than like an isolated vex platform does uh, and we also and this is this is future forward this is something that we know as players that they obviously don't know here. But that we know the Vex are unable to simulate paracausal entities. We saw this in the Books of Sorrow when uh, Blade Transform tried to simulate Oryx and got Arash. Because it could not simulate anything that's related to the Worm or the Darkness because they're paracausal entities. This Is this potentially a hit that... A hint that war minds possess, like, extra causal abilities. Like, if a war mind could only exist because of the traveler's golden age sort of ascension of mankind, does that make a war mind inherently extra causal? And the Vex can't simulate it. Like, it interacting with a war mind breaks the Vex the same way that trying to simulate oryx broke the simulation or why uh, the vex can't simulate guardians 
is there something about a war mind that is outside the realm of causality that allows it to exist? We don't know. We don't have an answer for that question. I wish we did. Uh, it would certainly answer a lot of questions about war minds, especially about Rasputin and why it's able to do what it does. But this just hints at that possibility. Uh, and the note that she says, a war mind, not the war mind. Right. So like there's one that's assigned kind of to, to them or one that's that's. Well, at this point, do we, I guess we don't know when this takes place and how many war mines there are. So there could just be one at this time, right? Well, well. So this is where. So ending on this sentence, a war mind seems to insinuate that there's more than one. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. So the way it's the way it's. Uh, yeah, but then Shim immediately yeah. says the war mind. <laughs> I still think it's weird they didn't use a name. Well, we have no idea really what the Venusian war mind would. But ostensibly, it had a name, uh, and we don't know. Might not, and we don't know yeah, if they're getting one on loan either. Maybe Venus never had a war mind, and they need to. They're like calling in, like a favor from, you know, Mars or Earth, saying, "Hey, we need, we need we satellite time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Open up the array and please <laughs> shoot us some Rasputin." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they may, if it's, you know, a situation like that, they may not know which war mine they're getting. Maybe they requested help, you know, but maybe they aren't in control of which war mine they get or who is sent to them. But then we have Shim here sort of echoes Maya. Uh, They behave in ways the Vex can't simulate. It's too smart. Again, smart is a complete subjective term. There's no way to quantify it smart in this maybe there is in the golden age i don't know but it seems unlikely uh and this makes even less sense this goes back to the possibility of a war mind being an extra causal entity uh, is that you know, why can't a vex simulate a war mind if a war mind is a machine a machine mind the easiest thing for another machine should be able to simulate is another machine <laughs> uh humans possess the ability to behave irrationally machines do not uh, even in the Warmind episode, we talked about the uniqueness of Rasputin's ability to defy its programming or to fork its own programming to achieve a goal that was possibly unintended. Like uh, Rasputin has ability to to follow a path that may not have been the predictable program path because it's achieving a result that is the desired result. Uh, but to the possibility of an irrational computer system. I mean, we talked about this in the Warmind episode that Rasputin behaves in ways that is clearly a consciousness. Uh, but then to say it's just too smart. Like, this doesn't seem like something scientists would say. Like, oh, you know, if you were a super smart scientist, especially a scientist that worked on, like, a Warmind project, you wouldn't just say, oh, it's too smart. You'd be like, oh, well, the Warmind can do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, it's a unique entity. It has its own consciousness. It has blah blah blah. Like, I just smart is just not a word that I would use to. Seems weird, especially when talking about machines, right? It's like, oh well, your your laptop can't simulate my iPad because my iPad's too smart. What? You would never say that about <laughs> these things. 
<laughs> my iPhone's pretty smart. Yeah, well, I mean, your like your iPhone's smarter than uh, most. Why did I just get welcome? Somebody sent me welcome back. Was I missing? <laughs> I've been here the whole time. Well, so something uh, else I want to point out while we're while we're here is um, Dwayne's trip through his uh, dealing with grief and loss. Um, because in this card earlier, we have him. Uh, you know, he he hits the the stage that I like to think of as kind of of bargaining or, or trying to. Yeah, bargaining. He he says, well, maybe it's just, you know, earlier he said, uh, maybe they don't have interiority. It's bluffing. So he was kind of trying to, to bargain and and a little ways down. He says, well, if we try, won't the Vex torture us for eternity or erase us? And so he's still kind of doing that, that bargaining a bit. Then all of a sudden, towards the end, he kind of hits the depression stage, <laughs> which is stage four, where he's like, oh, I wish I would have taken that job at Clovis. You know, he's <laughs> <laughs> he, he's kind of of just depressed about the situation and, and not happy with the choice that he made in life. So, but it also, um, I want to call us out, back. I want to call yeah. out Shims. Uh, the Vex may react, uh, which means yeah, that yeah. the simulation they're able to observe can't exceed real time. Otherwise they'd be able to see it reacting. Uh, but this also means that if they, the scientists don't possess the ability to predict what the Vex is going to do. Yeah, I, just, I think that this whole idea is weird. If There's no evidence that the Vex was, like, experimenting on these simulations. You know what I mean? Why would it react? Yeah. It's just straight simulating. I don't really know what they're worried about here, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it was weird. Yeah, especially for somebody who's a mathematician and is like a statistician or a statistics expert. Why? Why is he? Why does he say may react? Why doesn't he say I've run? I've run the numbers. Uh, you know. Uh, and this is what the the highest probability for reaction could be, or is. Uh, and and like like <laughs> like what are they worried about like? They they reach out to the war mind and all of a sudden the Vex decides to simulate what would happen if all their limbs fell off. <laughs> like, it's gonna throw is that, that Vex hell. It's gonna throw them into that simulation from Fallout Three. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing: by even discussing it here, right, the simulations should also be discussing it, which gives the Vex knowledge that this is their plan. So, why wouldn't the Vex proactively seek to dissuade them from doing it if it was going to react? The Vex had, now has knowledge of this. But it doesn't. Because it can't. Yeah. yeah, there's a sense kind of throughout all these cards that maybe, I mean, maybe it's, we're not getting the full scenario and we're only getting half the conversations, but they seem to be a lot more have a lot more fear of a doomsday than than maybe what we can see on the surface. But it's not really a doomsday, right? Like, th- and this is this also goes back like in their mind. Like they kind of act like yeah. It, this, thing, well, this right? also goes back That's... to the you know 
the warmind can get into the vex and rescue us so and I, what what is rescue right mm-hmm. if if they believe their simulations so let's look at it if you look at it from the two viewpoints a we're simulations what does rescue look like like we're we're a simulation inside the vex rescue is we're moved off the vex platform into the warmind platform like we don't experience a lifetime of vex hell torture like what is define rescue uh then the b is we are not simulations so we don't need rescuing uh so it's a moot point <laughs> mm-hmm. uh you know the rescue becomes oh let's get our simulations out of out of the vex like let's prevent our simulations from being tortured infinitely in vex hell like because we feel some obligation to save them because we're treating their pain like it's our own like this whole pathway seems strange for scientists again i can't i can't assume to know what science looks like during the golden age uh but this seems like very like off on tangents a bit for for a team of scientists that but maybe maybe that's why these scientists are together maybe that's why they're on venus in the first place to explore things like this mm-hmm. it just seems like they're making a lot of decisions that people who are devoted to the science of understanding wouldn't necessarily make. So. Well, and then at the very end here, uh, Gavel added in, I think it was Gavel, didn't you add in this? Uh, short story. Yeah. Short yeah. story, yeah. Tell us about that. That's just one we've talked about a lot in our listener Slack. Uh, it's a short story um, online called I Don't Know Timmy Being God is Big Responsibility. It deals with a lot of these same themes. Uh, we'll we'll throw a link in the in the show notes so everybody can go read it. It's it's pretty cool. Um, it doesn't really teach us anything that that isn't already here, but it's just a, another cool take on some of these ideas. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for Vex three. And when we come back from Vex four, you're actually going to be listening to the recording that we did two uh, two weeks ago. One week ago. I know. I was just <laughs> screwing with you. <laughs> our past selves if only so, if only feel, they knew then what we know now i feel like i should like say goodbye since we're ending this but i'm not going to because i'll say goodbye again later the former yeah, that'd be me. weird yeah yeah so you've already said goodbye in the past but they're going to experience it in the future they will but technically well yeah yeah whatever So, Ghost Fragment Vex 4. Enjoy. Ghost Fragment Vex 4. Maya, Shioma, Dwayne McNade, and Shim decide to have a picnic before they send themselves into infinity. Up here, they have to act by biomechanical proxy. No human being in the Ishtar Academy has ever crossed the safety cordon and walked the ancient stone under the citadel the Vex construct that stabs up out of the world to injure space and time. It's not safe. The cellular Vex elements are infectious, hallucinogenic, and theogenic. The informational Vex elements are more dangerous yet, and there could be semiotic hazards beyond them, aggressive ideas, Vex who exist without a substrate. Even now, operating remote bodies by neural link the team's thoughts are relayed through the Warmind who saved them. 
sandboxed and scrubbed for hazards. Their real bodies are safe in the academy, protected by distance and neural firewall. But they walk together in proxy, pressed close, huddled in awe. Blue-green light, light of the color of an ancient sea, washes over them. Each of their explorer bodies carries a slim computer. Inside, 227 copies of their own minds wait, patient and paused for dispersal. All right, so let's let's stop here and uh, just go over what we just heard because uh, this is a long card. We want to break it down a little bit as we go so we don't forget what we heard by the time we get to the end. Um, so this one is uh, is them is them uh, them being the the four scientists Maya, Chioma, uh, Dwayne, and Shim, and uh, <laughs> they're they're going to use this this picnic metaphor. Um, before they try to, is, is escape an appropriate word? Or before they try to, to no, this is they've they have been rescued and no. they have they already yeah. even agreed to go on their little journey that they're going to go. on. Oh, that's right, that's right. They're going to go. Yeah, explore. this is after the the uh, the plan was a success, I guess. Yeah, I, we have to yeah. assume so. So, so now they are going to try to go into the vex, right? Yeah, so now they're going to proactively try and dive the vex. Right, right. So we've got this line. Um, <clears throat> uh, no human being in the Ishtar Academy has ever crossed the safety cordon and walked the ancient stone under the citadel. So that one. So I had this highlighted because you know, the citadel is the dominant architectural feature in the Ishtar region. Uh but I highlight this because I'm trying to figure out where this research was taking place. So the Ishtar Academy, the, the area on Venus called the Ishtar Academy, connects the Ishtar Commons, which leads through to Engen Branch, and leads, which leads to the Nexus. And then Ishtar Commons also leads to the Hall of Whispers and into the Archive. So those aren't what we consider to be close to the Citadel. The citadel, the zone, is connected uh, to the waking ruins where the vault of glass is and the ember caves, uh, which leads off into the middle of nowhere. Uh, but the... So through the waking ruins is we find the juncture. Uh, the waking ruins, though, also connects to Campus 9 and the Endless Steps. Uh Campus 9 is almost directly underneath the Citadel, and the Endless Steps is directly underneath the Citadel. Uh, so I sort of had to infer that they're, maybe they're on Campus 9, and so they say here, the cross the safety cordon and walk the ancient stone. So the safety cordon would be up to prevent them from passing through the waking ruins where the vault is, because the this is golden age still, and the vault must just be like insane to walk anywhere near it. Uh, and they even go further into this, uh, you know, when they say uh, it's not safe. The cellular vex elements are infectious, hallucinogenic, euthanogenic. Uh, going anywhere near vex architecture is really bad for humans. Uh, so it would make sense that if they were working on Campus 9 that they could not proceed uh, 
in almost any direction uh, without facing some serious repercussions from the Vex architecture. Whereas if they were in the Ishtar Academy, there's they're nowhere near that stuff. Uh, so, but yeah. And then I sort of postulate also that uh, these cellular Vex elements, uh, this is their infectious... Uh, and I've always wondered, so when you do the Nexus strike, when you're down there with mm -hmm. the, the Nexus mind, there's those little floating lights look everywhere. Like yeah. Uh, and I'm wondering if those are sort of like, for lack of a better term, like infectious Vex particles. <laughs> yeah, they're right outside the uh, door of the glass glass throne, the vault of glass as well. Yes, they're also in, if you go too deep into Tharsis Junction, where the Vex Conflux is that links to the Black Garden, they're down there too. So they seem to be in, they indicate that a Vex presence. So. Things are super Vexy. <laughs> yes. Get your brain in straight because things are about to be Vexy. <laughs> and, and Enthenogenic? Yeah, it's a, a entheogenic is a chemical substance used in religious, shamanic, or spiritual context that often induces psychological or physiological changes. Um, so, this this infection uh, could, I guess, I guess it could be a, a. I guess they're saying that it could be a chemical substance that that's causing. Um, Possibly the hallucinations or the changes to whatever is infected by it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this is like, so being around Vex architecture is like being on peyote and acid at the same time. Like, <laughs> you know, and then hanging out inside a sweat lodge and, you know, whatever, being jacked into the matrix. And then we have yeah. another word here that, that uh, is, is kind of uh, <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah, awesome. Uh, semiotic, right? So semiotics, the studying, uh, studying, uh, uh, blah, blah. the study of meaning making, the study of sign processes and meaningful communication. This includes the study of signs and sign processes, semiosis, indication, designation, likeliness, analogy, metaphor, symbolism, significant, signification. I didn't know that was a word. It is now. And communication. Uh, so, so yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess we're, we're saying that they're, they're, these hazards, these semiotic hazards, um, could definitely, you know, affect this, this person or this, this thing, uh, after the fact and, and cause them to, well, I take it back. It, it's, it more it doesn't it more kind of of in well this breaks the vex down into two parts right there's the cellular vex and the informational vex so is this the informational then this is the informational right vex. so it's it's one thing to be around vex architecture like you you for lack of a better term you trip balls when you're hanging out around vex <laughs> architecture yeah but then being exposed to anything about the Vex themselves, the information that makes up the Vex, is even more dangerous. 
uh, because the information is like aggressive information. Like it will it will proactively seek to to inflict these semiotic hazards on you. Like it's their ideas will seek to infect you. So it's it goes from being like, hey, this is I'm having a crazy hallucinogenic party hanging around this Vex house to now like the Vex speaking to you and overwriting your brain with their information. Uh, and we we get a reference to that in the Vault of Glass with with Kabir with Kaber. Uh, he he f- straight up ingests these things. <laughs> <laughs> Took a swig uh, and then goes on to say, you know, the next time you hear anything from me, it won't be yeah. me. So it seems like the hallucinogenic effects, these these enthogenic effects, don't affect guardians. Uh, it would be an awesome gameplay mechanic if the further you went into Vex architecture, like the more insane stuff you saw, like weird things happening, but that doesn't really that happen. Would be awesome, so, so, are we, <laughs> so is it safe to kind of think then that, you know, they, they basically are drugging us and then making us more susceptible to like suggestion, you know, almost like a, like a, like being, I don't want to say hypnotized, but, but kind of a form of, of, a form of it. Well, yeah, that that hypnosis, that ability to overwrite things in your mind, that happens without the hallucinogenic parts. Like the Vex are capable, they're, the informational Vex is capable of doing that without, you know, making you see the pretty colors. Uh, so they don't have to. They don't have so to the exist. Con- they're not one in this. They're not not part of the same kind of of tactic. No, the each each is independent but they can work in conjunction so this must be terrifying for actual humans like we're, we're guardians and we know the the informational part can affect guardians you know via via kabir but we don't experience the other parts of it but for humans i mean especially golden age humans who are who are standing potentially under the very base of what this like under the citadel like I don't understand how they were protected in the first place. Yeah, they say all these things, but they uh, built Campus Nine like right in the shadow yeah, right of the on, Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's in, like I don't know, I don't know, and again, maybe they're not. Maybe they're maybe they're they're in the safety of the Ishtar campus, and they're just talking about a different area uh, of Venus, like depending on how far you go, but. This must have been, this is like a nightmare scenario for humans who were affected so drastically by both Vex architecture and Vex information. So, so these, so it's saying that these these semiotic hazards or these these uh, aggressive ideas is what they they describe them as. Um, they could have they these things could exist beyond uh, the the Vex without substrate. And what does that mean? What's a what's a vex without substrate consist of, or what is that exactly? So a substrate uh, is a layer that lays underneath something, uh, or on which a process occurs. Uh, this is you know, if mold grows on a rock, then the rock is the substrate. Uh, the vex don't have that. The Vex are, like, the Vex just exist. <laughs> uh, 
and I think we know we recognize this as sort of like the Vex's master plan anyway, which is to exist without the need for a thing to exist on. They're just like written into the very existence of all of reality. That's sort of what we understand to be the Vex's. See, goal. I read this. I see, and I took this more as these Vex who exist without substrate are another form of Vex. Like there are ones with substrate and ones without. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, I so, so they're so because they're saying that as as far as they know, let's let's just assume for a second. As far as they know, that that these vex do exist with substrate, but the informational vex elements are more dangerous yet, and there could be semiotic hazards beyond them, aggressive ideas. There could be beyond them these vex who exist without substrate, which I was kind of thinking that would make these specific vex somewhat more dangerous than. The, the these other than the previous vex so not, i'm not i don't know enough to to speculate or say you know we encounter these kind of of two forms of vex even in the vault of glass these these you know the the ones that are we everyone always says are the older vex that have like the the mold and the stuff well i hate to say mold growing on them but but they have the moss and the stuff on them and then the ones that are new and shiny and and look like they're more from kind of the future um but but again, that's how I kind of read it, that, that that there could be two specific flavors of Vex or, or, or <laughs> two flavors of Vex milk. No, I'm not going to go there. Um, yeah, but, there you go. Strawberry Vex but milk. But yeah, does that, I'm, I'm probably way off, but but that's... No, I mean, that's, that's certainly... Again, the, this group of scientists, and we, we know the Vex from their grimoire and how we interact with them and from the game... More logically, these are four scientists who have devoted their lives to studying the Vex. They they potentially could know much more about them than we do, just as more casual observers. Right. <clears throat> so, well, I don't think there's. I mean, there's not much more to the to what we just heard, um, as far as as far well, as talking points. Um, we do know that. Uh, well, we do. The, the last part of this here, not the last part, but the last part of this particular area. Uh, and we learn that they, they're going to use proxy bodies to do this. Right. So they need to, in order to, to send themselves into the VEX network, they need to set up. They're going to take these simulations. They're going to put them in a lunchbox and they're going to take them out and have a picnic and, and throw them into the VEX Aether. <laughs> But they, as human beings, can't approach, you know, the broadcast antenna because of these effects. So they're going to use proxy bodies to march their simulations out there and sort of upload them into the, the VEX network. Uh, and But they say here that... So the bodies are operated by Neuralink uh, and that the thoughts of the team are being sent through the war mind who saved them. So... So yeah, so saved. Apparently they're rescued. It was the Warmind who did it. Uh, it says sandbox scrubbed for hazards. The Warmind Making is... Making sure they're not going to make like bad decisions, right? Yeah, the Warmind's their firewall right. for the most part. Uh, and it's safe to say, I mean, maybe it's not safe to say, I don't know, that maybe this is how they... Extra- like when they postulated the Warmind could rescue them because the Vex can't simulate the Warmind, it very much seems like that's that is very much what happened. The war mind serves as this impenetrable barrier by which these people can operate behind to, you know, 
dip their fingers in the VEX network and, and not sort of be uh, affected to a huge degree or get sucked in like the the warm mind is an impenetrable firewall. And then, uh, and then it goes on to uh, to talk about now. It, it talks about this this blue green light, this light the color of an ancient sea washes over them. So, so that to me kind of, of makes me think of like them, like the the journey into the the computer. You know what I mean? Or into the Vex network. Um, but like like time like well no I mean <laughs> you know I, but this is this is their explorer bodies right so right this is happening yeah go ahead uh, well this is happening in the physical world this light this blue green light uh I mean that's how I read this this is this is them experiencing that blue green light as their little proxy bodies go marching off onto the surface of Venus uh. But I mean, do we do we encounter any blue green lights? I feel like that's a vault reference. More like I feel like that's the kind of weird thing that you would experience in the vault, not on the surface of Venus. So, like I've explored all over the surface of Venus and never encountered, you know, maybe in the depths of the Nexus. But that's a to- totally different. Yeah, I can't place. think of anything that would match that description. Yeah, but maybe it is. Maybe that is sort of like the well. That's the uplink. It does say that they're, you know, it, the next line after the, the that light washes over them is each of their explorer bodies carries a slim computer. So that's why I kind of thought that it was it was those those remote bodies that they're they're operating or, or whatever <clears throat> were kind of crossing into this new place. You know, and it, it's kind of like the the whole <laughs> seeing the bright light <laughs> before you die type thing, you know. Well, yeah, but they would have to be passing through that light somewhere on Venus. Well, yeah, 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 but but I didn't, I didn't ever, I I didn't think uh, that it was referring to their physical bodies, their their safe bodies. I kind of picture, I guess, I guess I'm kind of picturing, you know, them all like laying on these these cots, kind of <laughs> being experiment, not experimented on, but but just being, but more controlling the the these proxies and not up moving around and the proxies doing their own thing, even though that's probably what's going on. No. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're jacked in and they're controlling these proxy bodies who are marching across Venus towards the city. So, and, and just because I wanted to run back and, and we're actually hanging out around here, I went back over to campus nine and you know, right before you get over to the endless steps, there are those, uh, those gates and they've got all those, those lasers, those beams, going between the different columns. Those are yeah. blue green. It's a it's well, a, bl- it's a blue I'm, green I'm, light is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I'm I'm on the endless steps right now and I guess that is kind of blue green. But it looks more not, like it's white and reflecting off yeah, the moss. I was going to say not the not necessarily the beam that's that's flowing through the air but the uh, the apertures that that are that are sending the beam out. Look kind of blue green yeah, I mean, over here, but anyway. Yeah, this beam looks kind of blue, bluish greenish, I guess. All right. I don't know. I like that we've gone from like the <laughs> metaphysical properties of experiencing infectious vex information to the color. Right. Of the and now, and now because I'm looking up at the sky, I'm getting my butt kicked by a minotaur. Thank you. 
and I'm dead. There you All right. Go. So let's uh, let's listen to this next uh, this next piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's yeah. continue. So, um, okay. Let's uh, let's play it. I wonder where it came from. Dwayne McNade says, "Of course, he's the one to break the reverent silence." The Citadel. I wonder if it was here before the Traveler changed Venus. It could have been latent. Shioma Essay suggests. She's the leader. She kept them together when it seemed like they faced actual, eternal torture. She pulled them through. Seated in the crust, waiting for a period of geological quiescence so it could grow. Dr. Shim shrugs. I think the Traveler did something paracausal to Venus, something that cut across space and time. The Citadel seems to come from the past of a different Venus than our own. It doesn't have to make any sense by our logic any more than the moon's new gravity. Maya Sunderish walks at the center of the group. She's been too quiet lately. What happened to them wasn't her fault, and maybe she'll believe that soon. What could you do with it? She murmurs, staring up. If you understood it. Shioma puts an arm around her. That's what we're going to find out. Where the Citadel can send us. Whether we can come back. They're not us anymore. Maya looks down at herself. At the cache of her self-forks. We're not going anywhere. We're sending them. They're diverging. Okay, so we're back. And this one now is... We get into some of the dialogue between some of these... uh, Some of the scientists here... And um, it, uh, it, it makes some, some pretty cool points that point to, uh, that, that reference other parts of our universe, I guess. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, and it's here too, that we get a bit of information about Venus and what's happening here that we never get from the events. Right. That right. So like the Citadel, for instance, it says, I wonder if. It was here before the Traveler changed Venus. So were the Vex around, essentially, um, when the Traveler was... Before the Traveler came. Yeah, and then the the follow-up to that was... Uh, it could have been latent, uh, seated in the crust, waiting for a period of geological quintessence to so it could grow. And that's that goes back to that uh, sort of like the idea of a Vex infection... And, you know, sure, it infects, you can infect the mind uh, of a human being or things, but this is infecting an entire planet with Vex, like with Vex. Uh, and that's a, that could very well be what happened on Mercury. When they say they turn the planet into a machine, you know, maybe that's not a technical process as much it is, as it is just infecting the planet with Vex and transforming it into something else. And when we, when during the missions in the vanilla missions, ghost seems to confirm that the, the Vex architecture predates everything that humans know about Venus. Uh, which in a way seems like a paradox. Like, how could the Vex architecture exist on Venus before Venus existed? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we do know that that I think you're, but, this is where you're going. That they that the Vex architecture can phase in and out of timelines, right? Yeah, and we learned that during House of Wolves, 
when we ascend to the top there and uh yeah the jumping thing yeah and we're told that the vex architecture is phasing in and out of uh our timelines so it could be a matter of the vex phasing pieces of their architecture in from different timelines and then locking it yeah. into place well and then something else that's it's pretty interesting that doesn't have anything to do with venus but it uh it, dr shim says that uh, none of that makes sense, which I think we just determined didn't make sense. Um, but it doesn't make any more sense than the moon's new gravity. So that is something that uh, that is pretty interesting um, and would would definitely squash a bunch of stuff that people say on on Reddit and things like that about. Um, you know, why can't we jump higher when we're on the moon? Why can't we do this when we're on the moon? Well, because it's got new gravity, right? <laughs> because space. <magic. laughs> yeah. It doesn't make sense, obviously, because Dr. Shim says it doesn't, but it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that just confirms that the moon yeah. has gravity. Like the, the traveler did something to the moon well, and now it has gravity. And that's why we can't jump six times as Well, it had gravity. It's, it's just different. It's just different. Or 12. It's just what is different the gravity now, right? On the moon? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, we get a little more insight to some of the characters here too, uh, because back to our discussion earlier about who the, who the leader is or was, this is where that came into play. So you hear, um, the narrator say, you know, she's the leader. She kept them together when it seemed like they faced actual eternal torture and that's Chioma. Sorry. Um, Mm -hmm. and she pulled them through and then down a little further, uh, you know, it talks about Maya, and it says Maya walks at the center of the group. She's been too quiet lately. Uh, what happened to them wasn't her fault. Maybe she'll believe that soon. Um, so that's that's uh, doesn't necessarily confirm who it is, because, like you said, why would why would Chioma be going into Maya's office as opposed to calling Maya to her if she was the boss type thing? Yeah. So it's uh, just again goes back to that. But then we get a little more of their um, their kind of, of affection for each other when uh, we see that uh, Chioma puts her arm around her, uh, kind of I guess consoling Maya uh, because she still is kind of kind of blaming herself for what happened. Well, I also get the sense here that. This question that Maya asks, what would you do with it if you understood it? I feel like at this point, Kioma is still very starry-eyed about all this. Like, she's super excited about, you know, taking their simulations and injecting them into the Vex network and sending them off into who knows where to see what's out there. I feel like Maya has put more thought into the repercussions and the reasoning here. Uh, And I think Maya is potentially unsure and about about what what are we going to do with this right like what if we get out there and we find that we find like the very ability to uh manipulate the entire network or the entire universe like what do we do with that like i don't think kioma is necessarily concerning herself with the ramifications of what they might find and maya is so that's uh that's the Ishtar dilemma, right? The hunter cloak. Never yeah. did answer Sundaresh's yeah. question, now did we? 
Yeah. What would you do with it? So, and then finally, uh, in this, this entry, we, we just heard, um, you know, Maya makes kind of a, a little interesting discovery. She, she says, uh, they're not us anymore. And she looks down at, at all of her, her iterations of herself and uh, says, we're not going anywhere. We're sending them and uh, they're diverging. So that uh, the, the game kind of just changed a little bit, right? Yeah, and this is, this starts to get like super deep. Like this gets into like Hofstetter and the divergence of things. And uh, so I posit that the Vex simulations didn't seem to diverge. So why would these things diverge? Well, these things are now housed inside the war mind. You know, the war mind has some unique thing that prevents it from being simulated, potentially paracausal or potentially traveler influenced. Maybe that's now having influence on these simulations. They're starting to manifest individuality. They're becoming not Maya and Kioma and, Shim and Dwayne, they're becoming their own versions of those of those individuals, which is re- that's like even more scary than the simulation is. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, and that's the question they ask when we get to the end of this. They're all going to wonder that, right? Yeah. So, and this is, and I mentioned here, like I I tweeted out a couple of days ago that if you ever want to read a Godel Escher Bach, uh, which is a book which is an amazing book, but part of it talks about uh, how cognition can emerge from hidden mechanisms, hidden neurological mechanisms, like uh, a bunch of, you know, unspectacular things can form a network that becomes a spectacular thing. Uh, what the example used in that book is uh, a colony of ants, like an individual ant isn't necessarily all that remarkable barring like the whole like life is amazing thing but uh, a colony of ants is like this amazing coherent system and network that's all working in sync with each other like the the parts are unspectacular but the whole is amazing uh and also it it discusses sort of like you know the the fundamental notion of what meaning it like itself like what is what is meaning what is meaningless uh you know the the simulation is an unremarkable thing uh or you know as a as an individual simulation like whatever maya number 112 uh isn't all that different from maya one uh but now that they're experiencing a sense of individuality, now that they're experiencing, I mean, yeah. um, they're artificial intelligences now. They're no longer simulations, right? Right. Yeah. They and and over the course of the story, they've essentially rescued themselves, right, from inside the vex. All right. So let's yeah. uh, and and we're gonna get into that. Oh, go ahead. And there's also, I'd say, uh, and that book's a dense book, but he that guy wrote another book called The Mind's Eye. And in part three and part four deal with this also, this issue as well in the mind's eye. Like part three is about the uh, the formation of a mind from elements individually incapable of thought, which we talked about a little bit before. Uh, 
And then part four explores the issue like the mind as a program. Uh, what is self? What is mind? What is body? You know, can these things be separated? Where is the consciousness? If the consciousness is separated from your physical location, is it still you? Like there's all these different sort of deep philosophical investigations that can happen uh, along these lines that like this is a huge, huge, huge can of worms and we shouldn't go into the whole thing here. But <laughs> these are not these are things that mankind has been exploring for centuries uh, and then leading up to this point. Now, this is the golden age centuries later where we have the ability to observe thought <laughs> like these questions are still being asked and are not answered. So. But yeah, so now they're diverging. So now we don't we don't have 227 identical simulations. We have all these all right, different well, let's, versions. Uh, let's cut to this next part of the card. They rescued themselves from inside the Vex mind. 227 copies of themselves, untortured and undamaged. Those copies voted, all unanimously, to be dispatched into the Vex information network as explorers. When Maya and Shioma look at each other, they can tell they're each wondering the same thing. How many of them will stay together wherever they go? How many Fork Mayas and Fork Chiomas will fall out of love? How many will end up bereft, grieving? How many will be happy, like them? Shioma tries a little smile. Maya smiles back, haltingly, and then... Sighing, unable to stop herself, grins a big stupid grin. And everything is okay, grin. Shim makes a loud obnoxious awe at them. Dwayne McNade is still thinking about paracausality and doesn't notice. They climb. When they find the Vex aperture they plan to use, they overlay the luminous stone and the ancient brassy machines with images of sun and sand. They set up the transmitters and interfaces that will translate 227 simulations of the four of them into Vex language, into the tangled pathways of the Vex network, to see what's out there, and maybe come home. In the metaphor they've chosen, setting up the equipment is like laying out the picnic. In the metaphor they've chosen, they look like themselves, not hardened explorer proxies, like people. Do you think... Dwayne McNade begins, halting. That you could use this place to change things? If you regretted something, could you find a way through the Citadel? Go back and change it? I wish I could go back and change you into someone else. Dr. Shim grouses. Shioma's shaking her head. She knows physics. Time is self-consistent she says i think it's like the story of the merchant and the alchemist you could go back and watch something or be part of something but if you did then that was the way it always happened all right so like i said they uh they rescued themselves from inside the vex mind um this is a, a pretty another deep entry as far as, as what's going on. Like Drop said, this is where everything gets kind of, of I don't want to say screwy, but you really got to kind of pay attention to what's what's going on. So we've got our 227 copies now uh, rescued, and uh, it even says they were untortured and undamaged, so it was, was pretty much a complete success. 
and those copies. Now this is this is interesting though, right? Um, because it says those copies voted all unanimously to be dispatched into the Vex information network as explorers. So now we've got what is it, nine hundred and eight <laughs> of these scientists that are going to be going around exploring the Vex network. Is that right? More than more than that. Well, so but so the unanimously thing is it's suspicious to me. One, because if you were a simulation who is now aware that you're a simulation and you've just been rescued from the Vex, the potential Vex hell that you faced, you're now volunteering to go back into what potentially could be the Vex hell. Uh, but also, they may have, maybe they all voted unanimously because they hadn't diverged yet. So each, each, simulation is so similar to the next that they all just agreed unanimously because that they're also similar that there was no other there was no other free will choice to make <laughs> yeah but it could be based on it could depend on the simulations too and like how much i mean if you think about like the, with the example with orash when orash was simulated by korea like if you then give that Arash like hey would you take this pact with these worms to save yourself like not knowing everything that happens after like it might Arash might make that exact same decision over again so even though they might know that they are simulations like being scientists is all they know kind of thing because they're and, the simulations of these scientists and and so, so I once again I've got something totally different <laughs> a different theory on this. Um, so, I mean, if if I'm if I'm one of these scientists and I'm inside of this this vex mind trapped and know that that the next decision I make is the difference between vex hell and you know being saved. If I figured out how to escape, I'd have this. I, I'd feel like I'd be be. I, I, I know what to do. I know how to. I know how to how to how to beat this thing. So now we can go in and find out more information and escape again. We can we can go in and look around without the without the fear of being being you know de- beaten or, or defeated by this this vex mind and, and kind of subject to to this vex hell, right? So it's 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 like I feel like I've got the tools now that I need to be able to go in there and and do what I want. It's like you've got the You've got the map to the maze now, and we can get out whenever we want. I don't. I don't but know. Can they? I mean, they're not. They're not taking the worm right, in but, there with them. Like once they're released into the Vex network, they are like they're released into the Vex network. They don't have the protections that they do behind the. See, but that's what I'm saying. Though. You know, they they ran it. They did it, and now they know how to do it. Well, but that's the point Shioma makes the, in the previous section here, which where she says that's what we're going to find out where the Citadel can send us and whether we can come back. So they don't know. They may yeah. all just be going to their death. Death in quotes. They're they're, they're artificial intelligences now. See, but then but then they get we get into this next line where, you know, again we go into the the Maya and uh, Shioma um, uh, relationship where. They look at each other and they they know they're thinking the same thing. You know, we'll 
these fork Mayas and fork Chiomas stay together? Will they continue to be a couple? Will they split apart? Will they be happy? Will they, will they, will they not, you know? And, and they don't know because these now are all kind of, of free-thinking entities and are going to go off and do their own thing and they have no idea what's, what's going to happen. Um, and then it, it continues uh, to talk about uh, how... It, it, it's pretty funny because I think they realize that they're, they, they're thinking the same things and... Then they give this, you know, it, it's kind of funny wording, but it, this big stupid grin that, you know, and everything is okay grin, kind of like they realize too that, you know what, it's, it's fine. You know, everything's going to be okay regardless because we can, we can do it. You know what I mean? Well, I think it too, it's like they can't control the 200 other AI well, yeah, simulations. I mean, like, it's like an everything is okay grin because... In this instance, in this, whether this is reality, in the real like, world, in this now, we will, we are together. Yeah, I, I mean, I read this as no matter what happens with any of the simulations, with how divergent they get, you know, Kioma and Maya can, and Maya can smile because this is, this is where they are. They're in the real world, they're fine. Uh, no, no matter what possibilities present themselves with these divergent versions of themselves, the real, the true versions. Man, see, are and okay. I, I just have, I have a hard uh, time thinking that they just, they just flipped so quick because earlier, that's all they were concerned about were these other copies. You know what I mean? They, they were, they didn't, they, they didn't want to do anything. But now they're not. But now they're not copies. Yeah, but they'd still, but I still think they'd like be, now, be worried about. Will will they stay together? Where will they go? Are they going to fall out of love? You know all the stuff that they mentioned. But they can't. Con- they can't control right, but it anymore. The simulations aren't a one for one. I, not anymore. I agree. I agree. Not but anymore. I think that the sigh of of kind of of relief, um, you know, projected through those stupid grins, is them knowing that the things they were just wondering weren't going to happen because they because they're going to follow. <laughs> even okay this this sounds weird but even though they they have their they can go on their own paths they feel like you see and i get into all the the emotional crap a little more than than everybody else i think but they know that they're going to stay the course they're going to they're going to be together regardless of the simulation well and i mean when when you're faced with the idea that you are you're the real version of you and there are these potentially hundreds or potentially infinite number of other yous that are all experiencing the same thing you're experiencing. Well, now every time you screw up, they screw up, right? Yeah. Every time you stub your toe, they stub their toe. You're basically responsible for potentially pain and, and suffering on the part of all these other copies of yourself. And that's no longer true. All of that weight has been completely lifted for them from them because... Yeah, I think these so. these now independent beings are able to make their own choice and go do whatever it is that they're going to do and and become their own individuals over time and it's it's not on them anymore so they can they can be relieved. But then what's, but what about this? What about this? At the same time, isn't that like unbelievably dangerous? Like, does one Maya in two hundred twenty seven become evil and learn the secrets of the universe, and then real Maya is responsible for that divergent evil Maya, like who now has the power of the vex greater minds behind her and can manipulate it? Like it's, 
who's to say they're not going to turn to villains? So what about this Dwayne? That's true of all of our children. What about this Dwayne comment? That's (laughs) yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. (laughs) What about this Dwayne McNade comment that he's still thinking about paracausality and doesn't notice? Um, Right. Well, here's like paracausality is not mentioned at any, any up to this point. There's no mention of paracausality other than the, maybe something the traveler did. And I have to wonder if now Dwayne's mind is now being like, oh, geez, like, he got me thinking about the Traveler and paracausality with the nature of what the Traveler might have done to Venus. But, like, man, does that extend further? Like, does he know that the War Mines were, were built with with potentially technology from the Traveler? Like, is once you start thinking about paracausality... It's like an endless spiral, right? Like you start thinking about all the things that could happen without cause, like just infinite effects of things. Like, no, there's no longer this the cause and effect. Change so in this so. in this simulation, you and Gabble just argue the side for Dwayne McNade, and I feel like I argue the side for Maya and Shioma. <laughs> I mean, know? I feel like this paragraph really, it's it's just trying to show us that these four people are are starting to get back to normal. I feel like that's probably a fairly common statement about Dwayne McNade is that he probably thinks about yeah. this a lot. He's probably sort of an absent-minded theoretical thinker who's who's just that that's and and Shem is kind of a asshole. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I just I think the point of this is just to illustrate that that these four people, after having gone through all this stuff, are they went are, through Vex Hell. Well, they they worried a whole lot about Vex Hell and and it never came to be, but they were really worried about it, and now things are getting back to normal for them because of what we talked about before. These simulations are going out on their own. So, and and now we get to the point where they uh, they they find the the Vex aperture that they're going to use to basically set these these explorers free into the Vex network, right? They're gonna tra- they're gonna yeah. they're gonna yes. basically it says they're gonna translate these two hundred and twenty seven simulations of the four of them, which is nine hundred and eight, by the way. I did the math. Um Yeah, I saw you had a calculator. <laughs> and Right, but is it is it two hundred and twenty seven simulations two hundred and twenty seven groups of yes. four? No. Yes. <laughs> it's not well then no, it's not what? if that's the case. Because if, if one group of four, there's 227 groups of four. Or are there 227? Wait, no, that's the same number. That's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same number. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. No, because a group of four constitutes one. Four, one Maya, one Kioma, one Dwayne, one Shim equals one group right. I'm which is to part figure. of 227 it's all four times 227 that's why know. you were so confused yeah so because 227 is not divisible by four that can't be the answer no no i'm not talking about dividing yeah you are because you're there saying are 227 mayas 227 shomas 227 shoms and 227 Dwayne correct mcnita yeah but they only can they only ever can exist in a group of those four like there's not like a group of four Mayas, right? Yeah, but that still doesn't change the total right, number. There's two hundred twenty-seven groups, but nine hundred and eight individual. Right. 
simulations. Yes. <laughs> well, well, you see, but 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 is it can is there? But we there's no instance of a simulation where there's only three. Okay. Of them. Right. So four is th- is one okay. simulation, right. and you do that two hundred and twenty-seven times. It can't. They you, can't exist. Yeah, and you do that two hundred twenty-seven times, and then there are. I see what you're. I, I see what you're saying. There's it's only like, two hundred twenty-seven of each person, right? Which is nine hundred. Yeah. Total God, people. you're confusing me. Math is hard. <laughs> no. No, but what, what I'm saying is, if I give you two hundred twenty-seven dollars, thank you. In quarters. Oh no! No, thank you. <laughs> you don't count the quarters individually. You count them as dollars because I give you two hundred twenty-seven dollars. Right. But there's but. You but don't each, say you gave but me each quarter is a scientist, quarters. and there's nine hundred and eight quarters. Right, and now you go into the dollar store, and you can only buy things with groups of four. You can only buy it with okay. one dollar because you you can't. No other combination can exist. Agreed. Well, no, but that's still nine hundred and eight scientists. Now they can, but before they could not. Well, they can't. Like, four yeah, minus I mean, could be like, cool. We're gonna we're gonna go do our thing now because they're. Independent. Well, so either either way, they've been Flipping. translated into into Vex language. <laughs> it's just like moving they, yeah, they've been translated into Vex language and now uh, into the tangled pathways of the Vex network to see what's out there and maybe come home. So again, that's the that's a yes. big maybe, right? We don't know, or they don't know if they're coming back. Um, so then we get down in, into this. They they talk about this whole metaphor, uh, which. I mean, no, I, this the meta, this thing, the metaphor. This is a very yeah, Seth thing, absolutely. Right? Uh, it, it, it. This is, they're, they're experiencing the real them's are experiencing this through their proxy bodies. So, the proxy bodies are the actions that they're doing are actually opening up computers, plugging them into the network uploading the simulations into the network but the the translation of that that they're seeing is they're having a picnic a really weird picnic (laughs) a really weird picnic (laughs) so then uh then our boy Dwayne comes back at it and uh keeping it real yep he's he's back i think he's back on the whole pair he's been thinking about the paracausality still and it finally brings it up well, this this quote's interesting. I'll, I'll read it real yeah. quick. It just says, you know, do you think that you could use this place to change things? If you regretted something, could you find a way through the Citadel, go back, and change it? And, like, when I read that line, it was just, you know, what... You know, I'm not, not saying that this... That Dwayne is, you know, the, the stranger. But, like, what character in Destiny do we know that kind of does that? Like, there's something happened regretted it or is trying to change keeps coming back and trying to change whatever happened but we don't know that the exo is trying to change anything right, but it seems definitely seems to be trying to <laughs> is she or is she just observing divergent versions of what is already known to happen that's possible too or is she just jumping through different <laughs> timelines to see what's different in each one to try and figure out which one is better the yeah, correct one that is true too <laughs> All right. So then down below, um, this this uh, quote you just read uh, has some ties into 
um, the merchant and the alchemist, right? The uh, which which is mentioned down here by Chioma, um, because I think she's trying to explain her thoughts about this this whole time travel business that Dwayne is uh, is. Yeah. I also want to point out real quick that in this, uh, the line she knows physics, implying that Kioma is a physicist. Her reactions are, do not seem like the reactions of a physicist. <laughs> like all through this, the, everything that we've heard so far, Kioma does not react like a physicist would to these yeah. things. Like a, maybe she's a metaphysicist, <laughs> but well, we we missed a really important quote there. You know, where where Dwayne says he wants to, you know, questions like, could you find a way back and uh, and change it? And then, uh, <laughs> so by important Shim. quote, you mean another example of Dr. Shim being a jerk. Yeah, so Dr. Dr. Okay. Shim responds, I wish I could go back and change you into something or into someone else. <laughs> so I just thought, yeah, no, it is good. Um, <laughs> but we find out more about that relationship in a bit. Um, so. So when she says she knows physics, she says, you know, time is, is self-constant, and it's like the story of the merchant and the alchemist. Uh, you could go back and watch something or be a part of something, but if you did, then that was the way it always happened. Uh, so essentially, even if you went back to go change something or, or, or watch something, um, it didn't matter because that's the way it was supposed to happen. Well, right. It mattered, but your presence was already there. Right. It's not like... Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is so this is where we have switched from like divergent possibilities to theories of time travel. Yes, yeah. Uh this is like this is where that this switch gets and I blame Dwayne for this. Uh because use this place to change things like if you regret something go back. The Citadel's not a it's not the DeLorean time machine. <laughs> you can't get in the Citadel and go back in time. Dwayne sure helps. Go 88 miles an hour. Dwayne sure hopes it is, though, right? Yeah. Um, and this is and I, the other note that I have here. So we'll make a, we'll link to the merchant, merchant and the alchemist gate. But uh, there's a, the quantum theory of time here where if time is a river, you can throw stones in it and create ripples but you can never change the direction of the river. Uh, so even the idea of going back in time to like change, like, this is like, this is how paradoxes get created. <laughs> like, uh, and I don't know, maybe because Dwayne was pondering over paracausality, but I feel like this is a strange jump to time travel. It was just nothing to do with what they've been talking about so far. All right. So I don't know, but it's a great time to say that everybody should go watch uh, the movie Predestination with Ethan Hawke. I've not seen that. Just throwing that out I haven't there. seen it, so if you or, or Back to the Future, or Back to the Future, yeah, <laughs> or Looper. Looper was. Cool. I th- I think it's a good time to hear the last part of this grimoire part. So or Twelve Monkeys. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Oh, ooh, good one. Ooh. Uh, so let's play it. Here we go. Last piece. Maybe you could bring something back to now. Something you needed. Maya runs a hand across the surface of the Vex aperture, feeling it with sensors 10,000 times as precise as a human hand. These proxy bodies are limited. They crash and need resetting every few hours. They struggle with latency. They can't hold much long-term memory. But they'll get better. 
or go forward and learn something vital. If you knew how to control it, how to navigate across space and time. So it's just a way to make everything more complicated. Dwayne McNaid sighed. It doesn't fix anything. Nothing ever does. I should have taken that job at- You would have hated it at Clovis, Dr. Shim says. We both know you're happier here. Dwayne McNade stands stunned by this courtesy, and then they both pretend to ignore each other. The four of them set up the interface. Their stored copies wake up and prepare for the journey, so that as they work, they find themselves surrounded by the mental phantasms of themselves. 227 Mayas and Chiomas, knocking helmets and smiling. 227 Dr. Shims making cynical bets with each other about how long they'll last. 227 Dwayne McNades blowing goodbye kisses to the sweet golden sun. 227 of them shaking hands, smiling, making ready to explore. Alright, so... So this yeah. this is gonna gonna end uh, the Ghost Fragment Vex four card, and uh, it it has some it has some interesting little tidbits here, and and the first one comes from Maya, um, and and she is asking us, you know, everyone else is worried about going back and changing things. Well, she's thinking, well, what if I could go back and bring something in, into the into the present? Uh, that we needed, but what I and and that's not even the the interesting part to me. It and Gavel kind of uh, points something out here, but um, Maya runs a hand across the surface of the Vex aperture, feeling it with sensors ten thousand times as precise as a human hand, and then it says these proxy bodies are limited. So, is this the Maya? 1.0 or is this a proxy body that that has this these this feeling these sensors this no she's experiencing this through through the proxy, the proxy body. body so but then yeah. if she's is it because there's so many instances that she's experiencing it 10,000 no, times the, more precise it's because she's, the proxy body is 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 a machine. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a neural, it's a remote neural machine that she is. Yeah, she's plugged into the matrix, but uh, instead of being inside a computer, she's inside a, a robot. A robot, and the robot's sensors on its hands are way more accurate than a human. And how are hand they is. limited? Because they crash because and they need crash resetting every few Oh, there you go. <laughs> they struggle with latency. Struggle with latency. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. they'll get better. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, so, and then in the notes here, Gabble, you have like a prototype XO. Yeah. Uh, which is huge. And, you know, if you want to dig through, I mean, there's other grimoire that posits that the XO were created to combat the Vex, you know, at this point, what we have really here is we have, if this is like a an EXO, like a prototype EXO, it's not to combat the VEX. It's to combat the effects of the VEX on humans, mm -hmm. which is a different way to read that 
EXO were designed to, f- to fight the Vex, but maybe EXOs were developed as a way for human <laughs> beings to bypass the uh, the insane acid trip effects of dealing with the Vex architecture. Mm-hmm. Well, and then if we mentioned before about Clovis, too, like if they're kind of working, like maybe not side by side, but on similar you know, projects and working somewhat close maybe maybe possibly even share some data like i could, you could i could see clovis taking kind of that idea of protecting against you know certain effects of the vex and turning it into like almost trying to weaponize it a little bit more right yeah and that could be just a matter of the vex on mars could be way more combative than the Vex on Venus. We don't know what the state of Mars is right now, you know, with what's happening on Clovis. Yeah, like we know the Vex are on Venus, obviously. Mankind has interacted with them on Venus. They captured one. They brought it to the Ishtar Academy for study. We don't know if the Vex are also on Mars at this point as well, and maybe Clovis Bray has captured some Vex and they're doing studies on them, but... Maybe there's more militaristic aspects to those Vex, so they need a more combat-oriented solution where Ishtar needs a more research-oriented solution. Or even where Clovis, where Ishtar is doing this for research to kind of learn, being kind of like more of in the private sector, Clovis is looking at, okay, how can I, you know, maybe sell this to the the government? Yeah, what are the military implications? yeah, Yeah, how can I weaponize this and... Yeah, sell this to whatever military is. So Maya ends this this little piece, um, basically asking, you know, if we if you knew how to control this, could we navigate it across space and time? You know, which to me sounds like you know not only would you want to go or could go to the past, but also to the future. You know what I mean? And uh, Mm -hmm. so so that kind of ends it there. But again, if she if if someone was able to go into the future and change things or, or not change things necessarily, but learn from things then based on Shioma's logic, then that's the way it was supposed to happen. Right. So that then brings us to another. So do we think, well, do we think where they are right now is the juncture inside the Citadel? Uh, like the so the the area with a giant teleporter that goes straight up. That's I mean that that's definitely the first place I thought of. Yeah, like I wonder if because there's that giant red like eye aperture yeah. thing that controls a teleporter. Like, are they taking these simulations and they're shooting them straight up? <laughs> like, if that teleporter can send data straight up to the top of the citadel, just as much as it can send a physical body up there's Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to imagine that this is this is where they came. Very well, could be so. right. So we get into this last uh, little conversation between Dwayne and Shim, and we know that there's no love lost between them. Um, but it it kind of changes here. the The relationship that we thought we knew uh, becomes something different. And I'm going to read a little bit of this because I want to prove another point. Um, so, Dwayne, again, is kind of in the, the 
depression stage here. And uh, he said, it doesn't fix anything. Nothing ever does. I should have taken that job at... And Shim just interrupts him. And he's like, you would have hated it, Clovis. Right? We both know you're happier here. And Dwayne stands stunned by this courtesy, the way it's put. And then they pretend to ignore each other. So that right there shows that, you know, (laughs) Shim does respect Dwayne in an odd way. And... This is the first time I think that, that Dwayne realizes it. So that brought him full circle, I think, to the whole acceptance piece of the uh, the five stages of loss and grief, right? So, <laughs> I was going to say, I just I love that you're like shipping all these characters between this whole story, like following all the relationships. It's pretty good. That's the, I mean, why why not care about the characters, you know? It's, it's, uh, it's the, that, and then the way to me, I mean, the way Seth writes, you can't not care about them. You can't not, you know, mm-hmm. pay attention to their relationships and to, to what's going on there. If you, if you didn't, then, I mean, you're really missing a lot of the story between these characters and that's, that's essentially what it is. Not... Yeah. Well, he makes you care about Oryx. Exactly. Thing, so. well, well, right. I was just, I was still thinking about paracausality and didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so finally, um, you know, the, uh, this, this one ends with, uh, the, the four of them, um, and their stored copies wake up and prepare for the journey. So they're getting ready to, to, to throw those 908 scientists or four pairs <laughs> or four groups of 227 out into the VEX network. And so, uh, they're... <laughs> Right. Yeah, 227 so, groups of four, not four <laughs> groups of 200. Yeah, there you go. See, I told you math is hard. Um, Are you on a ghost? I, I don't even know what that means. DOS is more complicated. He's not very good yeah, at math. He lives in my backpack. But these 227 copies of Maya and Shioma's. See, again, this goes back to their... their their relationship here. It says 227 Mayas and Shioma's knocking... Helmets and smiling. Now, why do they have helmets on? I don't know. Maybe the atmosphere of Venus has not been. They're not They're simulations. <laughs> they think they are. Not now. Now they just... know. They know. Yeah, they know. They must no, know. No, the originals know, right? No, no. These are all the 227 versions all voted unanimously, understanding that they were artificial intelligence simulations. Okay. They know. They know what they Maybe are. Maybe helmets is wearing. a metaphor for something else. They're knocking. Um, but <laughs> if you're gonna, I mean, if you're gonna argue about Jesus. it, there you go. But again, that goes into the, you know, to me, without that metaphor, um, you know, I, I picture. But what, the the word before, like the fant- phantasm, phantasms, it just means like that's just like a figment of their imagination or illusion. So I see this part as here's. This is that they're they find themselves surrounded by mental, you know, illusions. Like they're almost just it's imagining there. this. This is just them, like sure. Well, it, it's why do why do female XOs have human female physical characteristics? It's well, it's like it's their residual right. self right. image, right? They they never had bodies to begin with, so they can manifest any kind of body right. they want. It's the loading construct from the Matrix. 
so no kung fu. so we've so we've got so we've got the mayas and chiomas kind of playfully knocking heads um and then uh the 227 dr shims making cynical bets with each other uh about how long they'll last so again that all of these so does that uh He's a betting man. Well, he, he does does that does that quote there though um, make you rethink the the fact that the four groups can't interact with each other because all two hundred twenty seven of shims are making bets with each other, right? No, I mean that's what that's what they. This is I think this is just insights <laughs> right, into their personalities. Um, and then uh, I don't get this one though. The the Dwayne McNade's blowing goodbye kisses to the sweet golden sun. Is that because he's give he's like he's basically uh, his accepting fate? his yeah fate. is that what it Acceptance. is yeah confirmed <laughs> yeah uh, shaking well but that would that would kind of make sense him being sort of the downer of this whole thing he's blowing goodbye kisses to the sun because he's saying yeah we're not right yeah no that's a great point I didn't I didn't think of that so that's that's awesome uh, and then of course you know they're shaking hands smiling and getting ready to to go so all right that wraps up the ghost fragment vex four um so so this brings us to the last of the of the ghost fragment vex cards and this is a vex five uh this one is basically a what do we want to call this this is a uh like an electronic log a journal journal. Yeah, yeah okay this is a journal uh kept by maya sundaresh and uh, basically goes through some different um, observations she had during other experiments and, and uh, gives us uh, uh, some more insight into that Maya and Shioma relationship that I keep mentioning. Um, and I think we're going to just go ahead and uh, let you guys listen to this one, think about it a little bit, and we will come back and talk about it next time because... Uh, it it's we're yeah this this brings us right to where we need to yeah, be this for will, the next episode so that's what we'll, that's what we'll pick up that discussion this will bring future war cult into uh into the fold a little easier so so here take uh take a listen to this and hope you enjoy it we will see you all next time record zero chasm zero my love I've opened this log as an apology. As a scientist, I believe in record-keeping. I believe in protocols, peer review and ethical conduct. I believe in the importance of disbelief. You know, let's run that one more time. What I'm doing here in Lahasa isn't science. It's unethical, secret and shameful. And after what happened in Ishtar, dearest Chema, I know you'd be furious with me for getting involved. Forty years isn't far enough to forget a day like that. But I believe it's important. The least I can do is keep a few notes for you. Record zero, chasm zero one. Trial one, subject one. It was... An act of stupid loneliness. I used the device on myself because I... I missed you. We hadn't been apart for more than a year since we met. I'm not a very good wife, am I? 
You write me every week, even with all Hyperion's work and all Hyperion's distance keeping you from me. And I act like it's not enough. We built the device and mimicry of the Vex gateway systems from Ishtar. An observatory, yes, but I think of it as a mind ship, capable of displacing its payload across space and time. The lab is cold and isolated. We are quarantined from the world, physically and mentally. We can't send messages out. If we breach the Vex manifolds, even our words might transmit contagion. One night last month I missed you and so I... I thought that I could look inside the device and find one of the other Chirimas. I thought I could call out to one of the forks we sent out there to explore. I just wanted to send my love. Record zero, chasm zero two. Zakarik Gilmanovich Bekterev. May he rest in peace. When our probes continued to fail, when my report remained our only positive finding, he volunteered to use the device. One minute of subjective experience inside. We took precautions. They worked. Bekterev's experience left no physical damage. After we extracted him, he said that he felt determined. I asked him what he meant, and he said that he meant it. He had been determined. He could feel all his choices set out before him like a railroad. Deviation was impossible. He died by suicide. I wonder if he was trying to make a point. Record zero, chasm zero three. We've decided not to abort. It's insane, isn't it? There are pressures on us I can't tell you about until I see you again. The purpose of the system is intelligence, you see. It's stenciled right on the hull, SXISR, special asset. We would very much like to make it work reliably. Our supervisory warmind has devised a drug it says will protect and prepare us. I am beginning to wonder if we were wrong about the merchant and the alchemist, or if that explanation in time was incomplete. Record zero, chasm zero nine. Kind Lakfa. He meditated before he went in. Nothing but deja vu and three seconds of screams. The screaming passed and he remembers nothing. The deja vu hasn't. He says it's getting better. He feels that we've had this conversation only ten times before, not a thousand. I've suggested that we attempt mind-forking. We need more sane people to work with. Please forgive me, my love. We are all growing superstitious. The behaviour of the device is inconsistent, impossible to replicate. We turn to ritual behaviour to appease it. Record zero, chasm 31. Rajesh... When he reached a displacement of eight, he told us he was dead. I believed him. He was dead. He spoke to us. 
It was true. Whatever he saw, it was his own future. He's fine afterwards. When I look into his eyes, I wonder what came back wearing his skin. But that thought is unscientific. We speak of nothing but the device. We talk about it like a demigod. When I get out of here, I know the whole world will look like a fraying veil. I think it's clear that part of the problem is substrate. We need more than flesh and drug to survive this. Record Zero, Chasm 52 I hurt you, my love. I was at six, oscillating on the event axis, coordinated with a known manifold. I heard you. You were talking to me. Not me, but another me. Another Maya Sundaresh. You said, My love, so many strange things have happened. And it's been so long. We've come so far. Do you ever want to go home? And I said, Not me, but the other me. I said, My love, I am always home. I'm resigning, my love. I'm done with this work and I'm done with being apart from you. I'll see you again soon. I can't take this journal out with me, so I've left it for the others and asked them to continue the log. Maybe it'll become a tradition. The gospel of our little cult.